Talking all things New York sports with you right up till 2 a.m. on this short show on this late Saturday night, or is it an early Sunday morning? I guess it just depends on, on your perspective. You know, whatever you're doing, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now and throughout the rest of the night slash morning. We're here in the Big Apple. That is Paul Rosenberg and I. We're coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio or the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. You know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones, 877-337-6666. As always, we'll load them up with your best and most well-thought-out takes only. And also, I've got a special guest for you later, someone you know quite well, WFAN's own Pete Hoffman. He'll be joining us at exactly at the conclusion of UFC 272, which is at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, happening right now and he's got his WFAN UFC The Fight Fan podcast and there isn't another MMA analyst that I'd rather have on in this spot later tonight so if you're a fight fan if you're watching it you know you got me on volume and that the 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 show um the fight on TV and me on the volume wonderful great you get a gold star stay tuned for Pete Hoffman coming up after the fight and here we go again like according to Ken Rosenthal as of about 3 p.m. Saturday afternoon, Major League Baseball and the Players Union are scheduled to officially meet again tomorrow, Sunday, for the first time since overnight Monday into Tuesday. This is a quote from Rosenthal. The union is expected to offer MLB written responses to all of the league's most recent proposals. That's an end quote there. What's expected at the meeting? Well, the Players Association will formally present in writing basically all of the no's that they said the other day. It probably includes some new proposed changes as well, and hopefully, right? So, you know what? Here we go again. are still locked out of heaven, and it's been so long. It's been, as you just heard him say, Kevin Dexter say, it's been 94 days to be exact. 94 days since we discussed on this show free agent signings or trades for our Mets and our Yankees. And they say that distance makes the heart grow fonder. But honestly, the more details that come out, of these ugly negotiating sessions, honestly, the more angry I get. Like, the owners, in probably what was a deliberate leak to get us fans all riled up, and by the way, it worked for me, anyway, but they probably the owners probably leaked this on purpose. They wanted to count the amount of money that players receive for food Against the amount of money that teams can spend before they are taxed. Now, wait a minute. Did you, did you just hear that record scratch? You mean to tell me that the owners just let out the fact that Major League Baseball players, players whose minimum salary is currently 
$570,000 annually and increasing. You mean to tell me that these guys get meal allowances, meal vouchers, as in money to spend on food? And the players were angry about that proposal? That's the wrong emotion. I I would be embarrassed, honestly. That's got to be some joke to us fans who pay $20 to these billionaire owners for a bucket of chicken fingers and fries to watch these multimillionaires play a game. I'm sorry, but that infuriates me. And you know what? I go back to something I read about a week ago now that Ken Rosenthal wrote in The Athletic. Here's the quote from Rosenthal. It says, ah, but back to the deal. This incredibly complex document that its framers evidently view as more important than the U.S. Constitution, which, ahem, took a mere four months to complete. End quote from Ken Rosenthal. For an exact number, the U.S. Constitution, the framework for our entire country, the United States of America, took 115 days to write and ratify. It has been in place for 234 years. MLB and the MLBPA are less than one hour away from entering day 95 of a five-year agreement. Five years. So I'm about to start writing our own preamble for crying out loud. And it's going to say, we the fans of Major League Baseball, in order to voice our concerns, wish to... Establish fair ticket prices. Ensure a family of four can afford to take in our American pastime. Promote the best version of the sport. And secure lost wages for stadium workers. So where do we ordain and sign this collective bargaining agreement, we the fans? Of all the issues, everyone knew that the collective bargaining tax, the luxury tax, was going to be the biggest most difficult obstacle to overcome. The players are right now set on $238 million. This past week, MLB increased its offer to $220 million. Uh, I'm no mathematician, but, but that means they're $18 million still apart. And, and, and the league, the owners, increased that offer despite flat-out opposition From the owners of the Reds, the Tigers, the Diamondbacks, and the Angels. And and by the way, just as a side note, just keep in mind that a new collective bargaining agreement will need 23 out of the 30 owners to, to ratify it, to pass it. So is it possible? Is it possible that there is a, a fissure? forming between the small market owners and the large market owners. Because to me, and I'm just reading the tea leaves here, to me, it certainly appears that way. Because, And, and I think that's good news. I think that's, that's a crevice of daylight for, forget the players, but for we, the fans. You know, the hope that, you know, being armed with that information, the hope is that the owner's may not be as unified as the players might be, which means they might self-destruct quicker because the players, well, just listen. 
As I watched Andrew Miller in that press conference that I streamed from YouTube to my TV this past week, Andrew Miller said, we're prepared. We've seen this coming in a sense. It's unfortunate, but this isn't, this isn't new to us. This is not shocking. It's, again, unfortunate. But the players' communication, willingness to find solutions and a fight for what's right is nothing like I've seen before. I can tell you that. You know, in all seriousness, is worst-case scenario happening right now? Yeah, I, I do think so. Not only has opening day, air quotes there, opening day been canceled, because there will be an opening day. It just won't be on the 31st of, of March. But besides that, there's fear of an extended lockout, like real fear. And from what I read in The Athletic earlier today, Saturday, it said industry sources generally are not optimistic about the season getting underway in April. In April, like the, the, the month of April. Wow, I, I guess you guys can, can uh, get used to some Danielle doubleheaders every weekend. I don't know, through, through at least the month of April. I don't know. But Rob Manfred doesn't seem to be concerned in the least. This past week in Florida, Rob Manfred, the worst commissioner in all of professional sports, probably in the history of professional sports, was laughing, laughing during his press conference after things broke down completely and utterly. And then before that, he, he was, he was uh, photographed fixing his golf swing, you know, in air. You know, he's just practicing it like in midair, like, you know, with no club or anything. If that's not the image of the great baseball lockout of 2022 so far, I don't know what is. I mean, how tone deaf could he possibly be? Rob Manfred said, my deepest hope is that we get an agreement quickly. I'm really disappointed that we didn't make an agreement. Really, though? Come on. Then, in a press conference, not long after the players' union leadership unanimously rejected the league's most recent offer, union executive director Tony Clark said, quote, today is a sad day, end quote. I mean, come on. The both of you, stop with the rhetoric. I am so tired of it. Then, this past Thursday, the two representatives from each of the two sides, no players, met for 90 minutes to try to figure out the next couple steps of the way. Like, huh? So as of right now, the earliest that the regular season can start is the second week of April. And so the Players Association set up a $1 million fund for the seasonal stadium workers. And, and by the way, MLB, the league, is expected to do the same. They just haven't had re released any details yet. But from the MLBPA statement, in part, it says, the fund will be administered by Major League Baseball Players Association and the AFL-CIO and distributed to stadium workers and others who face financial hardship through no fault of their own due to the MLB franchise owner's lockout. That's the statement from the Players Association, clearly. And then Andrew Miller and Max Scherzer said in, in a joint statement, there are a lot of people who make our game great. Many are not seen or heard, but they are vital to the entertainment experience of our games. Unfortunately, they will also be those among those affected 
by the owner-imposed lockout and the cancellation of games. Through this fund, we want to let them know that they have our support. And you know what else? You and I can help too. I don't know if you heard it yet or not, but Craig Carton concocted his, our very own way to give back to stadium workers. I, I think it was confirmed to be on March 31st, the day that should have been opening day. The WFA and All-Stars, and I'm sure a few celebrity guests, will play a softball game to help raise funds for those workers. So the game's going to be at the College of Staten Island in the evening. I really don't know many more details. I, I only get them from what you send me on social media, from what I hear on the radio. But I do know that I will be playing in that game. And I do know that I cannot wait to finally be able to show everyone who's doubting me. I cannot wait to show you my skill set on the diamond. Like, when I was a kid, I was better than all of the boys up through our town's Little League program. Until I was in eighth grade, I, had, I played with the boys. And at 33 years of age, I've still got the same goal. So watch it. <laughs> Craig said that, uh, I think he said, ticket information will be available next week. I'm sure I will, t- I will tweet that out as soon as, um, and Facebook, you know, the whole thing. I'll put it on social media as soon as possible, as soon as it's out there. And if you can't make it, apparently no problem, because Craig also said that there are plans in the works to have it broadcast right here on 1019 FM and 660 AM. I have a feeling that you might already have that in your presets, though. Cheers to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not. Cause the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Yeah, here's to the ones that we've got. Cheers to you being here, but you're not baseball. So we, the fans, have threatened that there are other things for us to do, other things for us to watch. You know what? There's nothing more that I would have preferred to watch this afternoon than our Yankees and our Mets in sunny Florida. There's nothing more that I would rather have done tonight than to talk to you to dissect a likely Edwin Diaz implosion or a likely three-strikeout game for Joey Gallo. But here we are. So here's to the ones that we've got. Today with no baseball, I woke up, I carried on my day, I prepared most of the day for the show, I actually had time to hit the gym for a little while, and then I went around the dial with my remote on my TV and found, believe it or not, other sporting events to capture my attention. And maybe you did too. And this is exactly what baseball has to be concerned about. Because me and you... Me and you will most likely be back. I mean, I, I mean, I can speak for myself that, yes, I will be back once baseball comes back. But the fringe fans, and I don't know. Because today, without baseball, instead, I watched some of the N- 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 NFL Combine. I saw Jordan Davis, not the country singer. Great country singer, by the way. Not him. But the defensive tackle from Georgia. I saw him run a 4-7-8 40-yard dash. The man is 6'6", 341 pounds, and he ran a 4.78 40-yard dash. He was in the 98th percentile, not factoring in weight. So what's your excuse? What's my excuse? The 4.78 was the fastest for any player over 330 pounds at the Combine since 2006. I was a senior in high school. And it's believed to be the, one of the fastest times for a player that size in the event's history. Maybe you saw that today. Also today without baseball, instead I 
I actually tuned into the NASCAR race from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway today to find out that it was actually delayed at least 30 minutes because of snow squalls in Las Vegas. As many times as I've been there, which has been once or twice a year for the past, I don't even know how many years, but I've actually only been there once when it snowed, and I'm doing major air quotes here. One time it snowed while I was in Vegas, and the only shovels that they had in the whole entire town were the ones digging into the ground at the Allegiant Stadium site. I swear to God. It was flurrying, just flurrying, and there were accidents all over the place, all over the place. I can't. Anyway, today without baseball, instead... I had time to watch most of the Islanders win over the St. Louis Blues, including that beautiful pregame on-ice tribute to Zidane Chara after he became in San Jose Thursday night the all-time leader in NHL history in games played by a defenseman. And after the game, Oliver Wallstrom said he's a huge part of this team. Wallstrom just happened to be wearing a cap autographed by his teammate Chara. And what a game to catch today. I mean, the Islanders clearly came ready to play ASAP. They were out of the gate, ready to play. They ended up winning 2-1 to one at the UBS Arena. But that was not really indicative of how the game went. You know why? Because the Islanders were the more dominant team from the minute they stepped onto the ice. I mean, it really could have ended up as, with a score of 4-1. I mean, Palmieri had two goals that were challenged and then called back. But otherwise, the Islanders probably played their most complete game of the season so far today, Saturday. Sorokin was was unstoppable, mostly. I mean, I know he let one goal in, but, you know, it just felt like he was regularly, for finally, you know, for this season, finally in good position in the crease, anticipating well. And then Barry Trotz said after the game, he said it got nasty at times. We had block shots. We had a good power play. We had a good penalty kill. We had big saves. And we had a couple fights. I thought it was exactly the type of game that we can play. And he added that St. Louis, that's a hell of a team. They're legit contenders for sure. True. There are only seven teams in the league with more points in the standings than the Blues. So with that, all, all of that said, with today's complete team win over a legitimate playoff contender, can the Islanders make a run? Well, Matt Barzell, easily the team's best player, is, you know, day-to-day with a lower body, body injury and I hate that about hockey, how general they are about the injuries. Trot said, quote, he's feeling pretty good. It's really up to him. With Matt, he wants to play. When that'll be? No, that's me saying this. When that'll be? No one exactly knows. Trotz told him that he only wants him out there if he's 100% physically, emotionally, and mentally. So we'll see. But this team will not be able to make a run without him down the stretch. And unfortunately, ultimately, I just don't think they're going to do it with or without Barzell. And because looking at the calendar, looking up at the standings, to me, it just doesn't seem possible, even like mathematically. And then Barry Trotz said today after the game, it's momentum. It really is. We got shut down so many times. We didn't have lineups set. It was difficult, and we could never get any momentum. Now we're playing all the time, and our game is getting momentum, and our game is falling into some better order. We kept starting from scratch about eight times this year. Well, he's right, and in my humble opinion— It's just a little too late for them to gain enough momentum to push themselves into the playoffs. Because with the way everything went down at the beginning of the season for the Islanders and the expectations they had going into this season, it's just a tough letdown. And 
while we're talking about hockey, maybe it's time that we start paying attention to the best team that we have here in the city at the moment, the New York Rangers. But man, oh man, you know, I was just I was just telling Paul, I've got my Henrik Lundqvist number 30 jersey all ready to go to the garden, and we started looking into the price of the tickets and the cost of Rangers tickets. Wow. Uh, I, I might need some help out here because, you know, I got a few suggestions on Twitter telling me to just wait until they play the Devils at the Prudential Center. I know that's a possibility and much closer to where I live, but I just want to experience the home crowd at the Garden. It's been a while. Oh, and and, and not for nothing, I made some pretty good hockey bets over the past 10 days or so. I, I picked the correct goal scorer now four of the last five times I've made bets. I mean, I won $125. And, and guys from three different teams got it done for me. The Devils, the Rangers, and two Lightning players. I did that when I was there. But there's some money to be had, casual hockey fans. Take my advice on that one. But back to the topic at hand. Today without baseball, instead I was also able to tune into Coach K's last home Duke men's basketball game. What an electric environment. Let me tell you that. But then again... You might not need me to tell you because you're most likely tuned into it too without baseball. And what better way to do it than to go out in style against North Carolina, a team he faced for 97 times in his career. I mean, Coach K has the second best home win percentage in ACC history. But not tonight. The North Carolina Tar Heels uh, spoiled it. They played major spoiler. And, And after the game... He said he kind of went off script, Coach K, and he said something like, you know, we should have won tonight. And everybody started cheering. He's like, no, 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 we should have won tonight. <laughs> and there were, I think it was 90, let me pull up my calculator. There were 96 accounted for of his former players in, in, in attendance. And Dirk Nowinski was there 90 minutes before tip-off. Stars and important people, they were all there. And actually, two of the last ones were actually sitting next to each other. Adam Silver and Jerry Seinfeld were sitting next to each other. And I wonder what they talked about. Although, Seinfeld had earplugs in his ears. And I guess that's the universal sign for don't talk to me, isn't it? You know, at 10 a.m. Saturday morning, I checked to see what the minimum, minimum ticket price would be on the secondary market for that game. $3,299. And that was for row H in the upper deck. Probably the last row in the entire arena. And actually... In, a, in one of the first ones of Holly Rose's sideline reports, she said that the students had been, I couldn't believe this, and I used to sell tickets at my college's little ticket office. I loved that job. That was a great job. But she said that students had been camped outside of the campus ticket office since January to get tickets to this game. They were allowed to switch off, but there always had to be at least one student in the tent at all times. That's nuts. Have you ever wanted to go to something so badly? Well, anyway, on this Saturday with no baseball, we witness history. Coach Shishevsky's 42-year coaching career, all at Duke, came to a close tonight. He might be one of the best coaches ever. So best of luck to him in his next endeavor, whatever it is. And today with no baseball... Instead, I watched the fallout following the Julius Randle continuing to implode episode. And today with no baseball, I dove into some, to some of the betting lines and the storylines of UFC 272 taking place right now in my second city, Las Vegas, right now at the T-Mobile Arena. So as you can see, 
And as you already know, there are other things to do, other things to watch, other content to consume across many different devices and through many different mediums. The baseball lockout is not like the most recent one. The one where there was no internet, never mind smartphones and social media. The only time you would have even heard of those things, heard of those inventions, back then would have been on an episode of the Jetsons. I'm being funny, but as I, I'm trying to be funny, but as I just demonstrated with what I did instead of watching baseball on this Saturday, for the livelihood of the sport, baseball needs to figure it out sooner rather than later. So let's get it going. I've set the table for you. I can't wait to talk to you. 877-337-6666. I'm going to create a post online. I want you to tell me, tell us, and complete this sentence. Today, with no baseball, instead I dot, dot, dot. I'm Danielle McCartan. Before midnight, here on The Fan in New York City. for the beat drop anyway, you guys. Let's go. DJ Paulie R on the ones and twos. Listen, uh, the way this baseball season going, if they need any scab players, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. If they need any scab players, if the owners decide to play, you know, master chess and the lockout and then the players go on strike, if they need scab players, all I'm saying is that I think I can make myself available. All I'm saying is that I think I can handle the commute to the Bronx or to Queens every day. I'm pretty versatile. I can play mostly anywhere. So Yankees, Mets, call me. And you can too. 877-337-6666. If you can't get through on the phone, you can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Same thing on Instagram and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I asked right before the break to complete the sentence, for you to complete the sentence, Today, with no baseball, instead, I. Gus is a funny dude, and he says, took a nap. But Doug Pucci said he followed college basketball more closely, and he's looking forward to the upcoming March Madness. So what did you do? What did you do today instead of watching the Yankees and the Mets from sunny, warm, probably, I didn't check, but sunny, warm Florida? What did you do? Today with no baseball, I outlined all the things I did. I watched a ton of a lot of other sports stuff today than just baseball. Hey, Matt. Matt, the Jersey Shore. What did you do today instead of watching baseball? Oh, I took a nap, Danielle. You know how hard I work. You do. (laughs) (laughs) You do, you do. All right, well-deserved. All right, what do you got for me tonight, Matt? All right, well, I've been waiting to call you. Uh, I actually warmed up my chops with uh, Keith and Ricky's show last night, um, trying to get my bearings as to what I wanted to say for you. I hope you'll give me the time. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen, you're, you're my age, have you ever seen the movie For Love of the Game? I don't think so. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big movie person. <laughs> I know, I'll put it on the list, but I'm not a big movie person. Okay, so it's, I believe it was 97. So just as the Yankees were 
getting off the ground with their dynasty. Mm. Um, it's a movie about a, a very accomplished, long-careered tiger named Billy Chapel, played by Kevin Costner. And as the movie's starting, he gets a visit from his owner. I'm not giving any spoilers for you, but basically the movie is about the, the owner coming to let him know that he's retiring because he can't take the way the game has changed then. Not now, but then. In, in terms of, like, the players, the owners, TV rights, arbitrations, all that stuff that's not even not even an issue compared to now. Um, and basically wants to know if Billy wants to follow suit, mm-hmm. knowing that he's, he's one of the old school guys, right? Um, and the owner tells Billy, you know, the game stinks. And Billy says, no, it doesn't stink. It's a great game. Well, I always felt that way, too. I grew up loving the game. It became part of, part of my identity, part of my routine. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the World Series championship video in 99, but, you know, they show at, at one point all the Yankees throughout the decades that they made, became the team of the century, one World Series for every four years. Uh, Chad Curtis said this team is about consistency and knowing that they're always going to be in it to win it. But you know what? what? What we've been dealing with, with COVID, with inflation, with gas prices being over $4, now war, and politics seeming to be endless, baseball seeming to follow suit with that, it's, it, it, it stinks. It stinks. And I, I'm not angry because I'm not surprised by the way things have gotten, mm-hmm. but by the way they've changed this game so much that, they're trying to, to get new fans when that won't even be possible because they have no idea what baseball has in mind for the direction of this game. And I guarantee you they're going to lose diehard fans because they're, not only are they sick of what's happening now with the squabbling between the owners and the, and the players, they don't, this isn't baseball to us and what we grew up with. Yeah. We the people, your constitution um, talk, we are the puppets. It's not Boone being the puppet for the Yankees. It's not Manfred being the puppet for the owners. We are the puppets, and they have the strings, and they're making us dance and expect us to stick around. Yeah. Not going to happen. See, every, all the fans say that, Matt. Uh, all the fans say that. And then all of a sudden, baseball comes back, and it's like July. It's a Tuesday night, and you're like, hey, let's go to the Yankee game for $25 bleacher seats. I mean, right? I mean, really? Everybody says they're going to boycott the league, boycott the games, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, actually, on second thought. And, and, and the owners and the, and the Players Association know that. We're caught in the middle, Matt. We've always been caught in the middle as fans. But I mean, the, the thing is, not only does, has baseball completely lost its identity, almost, you know, in, in a macro way, just as in our world, the Yankees in their micro way have lost their identity of what they used to be. I mean, it's a capitalistic society where, you know, they'll charge whatever they think we're going to go there and pay, which obviously we love our game. We love going to games and, and cheering on things that are, that are memorable and historic. But you know what? At some point, the chickens come home to roost, and yeah. you realize what's actually going on. In, in these ivory towers, and it, it, it's not so democratic. It's, it's really autocratic, and it's, it's disgusting. 
Yeah, Matt, it is. And that's what it is. And they're going to go back to the drawing board tomorrow with with a, the, the Players Association with a written uh, no proposal. <laughs> they did the spoking no proposal last week. And now they're just going to go back with it in writing with maybe one or two changes, I assume. And it's just going to be, here we go again. Around and around and around we go again. I know. Let's go to Neil in Flushing. You're up on the fan. Yes. Uh, great to talk to you, Dan. Right, thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. Um, the main reason I called, mm-hmm. actually, I have three points. Okay. Uh, the first one was was actually just to compliment you on last Sunday, your opening remarks on the shift mm-hmm. and the Joey Gallo stats mm-hmm. was probably in the 35 years I've been listening to Sports Talk Radio, the best 20 minutes I've ever wow. heard. Thanks, ever. Neil. Thank you. Your preparation was amazing. Thank you. You know, I know you don't want me to bash any of your colleagues, but some guys just show up unprepared, and all they do is rant and yell and scream, and you really prepare for your shows. And uh, it was amazing, because I had the same feelings as you about the shift of, mm-hmm. just go the other way. Just go the other way. Mm-hmm. You're professionals. But, you know, you laid out a pretty compelling case for me to rethink that. You know, and, um, and it was just, and, and, really and based on the research I had done, listen, and everybody listening right now, because we're going to, um, Neil, you're You've opened the can of the Pandora's box here. <laughs> Neil and I, and Neil, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Preparation mm-hmm. is my middle name. But um, so I was so just hit the ball the other way. You're a major league hitter. Why can't you learn how to yeah. do it? You know, bunt the ball for crying out loud. Bunt the ball. But when you look at these shifts, when you look at the fact that there were literally six, pro, pro, like two feet away from being seven fielders on the outfield grass, I mean, and, and a pitcher. The 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 uh, what's the word the the betterment of the I can't think of the word the betterment of pitchers, you know mm-hmm. o- over the past five years drive line study this use physics on that I mean it's 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 hard it's very hard but the specific stats you gave about Joey Gallo who yeah I was really down on as a hitter come on you're hitting like one ninety yes I mean, but you showed that. I mean he's pretty much doing what we what you were trained to do as a baseball player yeah. And he's just getting burned. Well, Neil, think about uh, what Matt just called about. This is not the, the game that we, we grew up with. Oh, no, no. When we grew up, two, two Neil, other quick, Yeah, we had, we had a... Two wait, other, one second. We, we had a game yeah. where if, if you're taught from when you were little to hit the ball up the middle, hit the ball up the middle, hit the ball up the middle, and that's ba- hit a base hard, hit. Hit it hit hard, up hit up the middle. Right, but now th- these defensive shifts are taking away that hit up the middle. So so what do you do? Where do you hit? Where oh, no. It's just... It's just 4,802 no, really hits were taken away last season you, from, you from caused games. caused me to rethink things. My other Thank two you. very, very, very quick points. Yeah. The commissioner. Yeah. He's not the worst commissioner ever. He's the best commissioner ever. Why, because his job, unfortunately for all of us, is not to do what's in the best interest of the game. It's to maximize profits for the owners. And in that respect, whether he's a clown, whether he's whatever else, mm. he has done that. The revenue has increased. And everybody should disabuse themselves of the fact that the commissioner represents the game. No, he represents the owners. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Then the last, the last point is, I hope you really make Carton look bad <laughs> during your softball game because he has dissed you, and I know you're going to go there and make him look bad. You know, let me softball. tell you something. I am ready. <laughs> For the prime time, I am ready. You know, and Car- uh, Carton should know better, Neil, because this past summer he had like this pickup game. I went, he pitched. I was five for five off of him last summer, so really? he should know better. Uh, he was talking, he was talking trash the other day. I don't worry. Your name, so. You know what? He won't be after March thirty first. I'll tell you I'm that much. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Appreciate that. Bye bye.
<laughs> he know five for five against Craig Carton this past summer in the uh, in this little pickup game that we had. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, everybody will know. Everybody will know on March thirty first. See, I talk a big game. I better deliver. I, I have to deliver now. Actually, I was going to with with my real quick because I know we have to break. But we had plans to go to the batting cages. Actually, so totally unrelated with my uh, my my women's team, my summer softball team. And uh, we were going to go. We had plans to go. My Phillies team. I didn't pick the name, everybody. It, I just I was drafted by the Phillies, and that's it. They wanted me, and that was it. We had plans to go to the batting cages on Monday. I was so amped about it because all this was coming together all at once. And all of a sudden, they were like, actually, we're going to go bowling instead. So instead, we're going bowling. But I'll get to the cages. Don't worry. I have to have a plan. Anybody want to hit ground balls to me? Anybody want to throw with me? i got to get shake the rust off because um, I'm coming. I'm coming out in this game. And uh, don't worry. Don't worry. Friday after that game, people are going to say, wow, she's pretty good. Coming out guns a-blazing. That's right. Guns a-blazing. <laughs> and you know what? There there really isn't any real hope at the moment for the return of baseball. So, what do you miss most? Let's get a little nostalgic here. What do you miss most about going to a baseball game? 877-337-6666. Before midnight here on the fan in New York City, that is DJ Poliar on the ones and twos playing my favorite DJ Hardwell. Oh man! First you hit me with the Swedish House Mafia. Now you got some Hardwell going on. This, these are the vibes that I like. Here we go. Here's the beat drop. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have a little fun here on this Saturday night. You know. Listen, you might, you have to get a little used to Danielle Doubleheaders, I think. I I get my schedule about 10 days in advance. So um, with no baseball, I, I assume I'm going to be on twice a weekend, I think. So get used to it. So I asked right for the break, real quick, what do you miss most about going to a baseball game? And, you know, wh- while I was in Florida not seeing any baseball like two weeks ago, I was thinking about, I was on the beach, I was thinking, what is the single biggest thing that I miss most? About going to baseball games. Paying $45 to park? No. Paying $15 for a beer? No. What I miss most about going to baseball games is baseball travel. Seeing games in different cities. Eating the local food in those cities. And learning more and more about the history of baseball by going to the team museums and talking with the people who work in those ballparks. Like eating cheese curds at a Brewers game with a Miller beer brewed literally three blocks away. Not eating Skyline Chili at a Reds game. And there isn't a dollar amount in the world that you could pay me to eat that you-know-what. So for me, it's the baseball travel. Experiencing the atmosphere in these games and in these cities and seeing and learning about our amazing country while doing it. Like, did you know that the Roebling Bridge right outside the Reds ballpark was designed by the same architect as the Brooklyn Bridge. I learned that while I was there. It, it, it's like it's driving your rental car to the World War I Museum and Memorial in Kansas City because there isn't much else to do there. And looking through the glass case to spot an authentic pennant from Camp Merritt, New Jersey, which the house you grew up in was on the old Camp Merritt grounds. And then 
sharing that excitement with the history nerd standing next to you. And that guy, he was just so excited for me. That, that is what I miss most about baseball. The baseball travel. So what do you miss most about going to baseball games? 877-337-6666. In the order that you called, to Massapequa we go, and Ed, you're up on the fan. Hi, uh, Danny. Hi, you know what I miss? I miss our spring training, and I miss driving with, like you just said, the rental cars around Florida. And uh, that's what I used to do, and I was robbed from that. And uh, the owners and maybe the players, they don't, they don't think about the, the fans so much. We, we are the ones who are the driving force. We're the ones who support yeah. what's going on with the cause, you know. And I love, I love the sports since I was a kid. I still have my, my uh, every day. I have my mitt and I oil, I oil my mitt. Okay. Yeah. And that's 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 what I do. I I just uh I love baseball. Baseball is my my sport. Okay. That's it. I want to hang up now and and thank you. For my call, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Thanks for picking up the call. And yeah, and, and guess what? I experienced that for the first time not long ago, the, the driving the car. And, you know, my cousin, as I talk about often here, he lives by Tampa. And we went one, one right before COVID, that February of 20, I guess it was 2020, February 2020, we had gone to the, uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, spring training facility then we got in the car and he was like, "Let's go to the other, let, let's go to the Rays." So we went to the Rays and, and then went to the or I mean, they're all so close. Like I, I understand, I get it, I get it. Miriam in Forest Hills, it's been a while, Miriam. How are you? Well, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Today I listened to the Islanders win. That's what I care about. That's right. That was a good win today. It was a great game. Hopefully it'll keep going. And I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but they're going to give it a damn good try. They will. And I'm proud of them. I really am. You know, it, it helps though. Now they got a little continuity with the season, the start, the stop, yep. the COVID, and all that. I mean, that it, it's yep. really understated of, of how that really kind of derailed them right from the beginning. Yeah, today was the best one of the best games of the whole year. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yep. Yeah, and I hate to tell you this about baseball, but I can wait for it because I'm waiting for the for hockey season. So if they come back, well, I hope so. But you know what? It's the owners' fault. The owners are too busy you know, yelling and screaming in the players, all they want to do is play. Let them play. That's all there is. Yes. Leave them alone. I know, but Miriam went, and yes, and, and I, I, I listen, the worst thing I think is for people to start picking sides, but, you know, the players want to play, yes, but there are some things that they're trying to sneak into these proposals that you're like, well, wait a second. Like, if you really wanted to really take the field, then, you know, you wouldn't be trying to sneak in uh, a four-team game playoff and, and, and when the owners want a 12. And, you know, there's just some things that I'm, I kind of scratch my head on both sides that I'm like, you know what? Really? The, really? Well, I think the owners should let them play. And I also think the owners are giving us a hard time, too. Because I, mean, I like baseball, but mm-hmm. I love hockey. Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping that it keeps going and until the end of June... I don't want to hear about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, Miriam, your Islanders will be in it till till then. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's a, a little too late, Miriam. I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm a I'm a positive thinker. Yeah, I think positive. You know, I have two of the most beautiful cats in the world, and they think positive too. <laughs> well, I hope they're right. I hope I hope you're all right. We'll see what oh, happens. Yes, we are. We <laughs> are. You have you have a dog, right? I do yeah. a husky. Yeah. 
Yes, I have Tiger the cat and Julie the cat. Aw, And Julie's going to be 18 in April. Wow. Yes, she is. Wow. And Tiger's right here, and he's going to be 11 in November. Wow. Cats, is it 18? Those are both old for cats, right? I never had cats. Yes, he's going to be, it would be 90 in people years. Oh, my God. Yes, he's still hopping around, and she plays. And right now she's sleeping, and he's here curled up with me. And... We're a happy family. Well, I appreciate all three of you tuning into the show tonight, Miriam. Thank you. Oh, yes. Listen, let me tell you something. You're going to go out and you're going to play. You'll get home runs all over the place, <laughs> and you'll get rid of all those male soberness players. <laughs> well, from your lips to the, the Staten Island baseball field, Miriam. Oh, they'll be fine. You'll be <laughs> just fine. You just go out and play and show them up good. You know it, Miriam. Thank you. Take care, Ron. <laughs> Bye. Yes, I have a dog. Her name is Lupa. It means wolf in Italian. She's a husky, so she looks like a wolf. And she's probably sleeping on my bed right now. She's not allowed on my bed, but she only will do it when I'm not home. And she sleeps where I am, where I sleep, on my own bed. And then when I come home, she jumps off and she pretends like, oh, I wasn't on there. Like, like duh. What do you think I am, dumb? But then I like try to put her on. Like I pick her up and put her on my bed and she jumps right off. Like, come on. They know. All dogs know. They're smart. Very smart. So, Lupa, if you're listening, get off my bed. I leave the radio on, too. Get off my bed. Of course. You got to leave the radio. Radio, <laughs> TV on, whatever. All of it. Yeah, I left it both on. Should we take one more or go to break? Break. Okay. All right. So, uh, is it still Kevin Dexter on the updates? Okay. So, we got Kevin. We got a quick break and then a Kevin Dexter update, and we'll be right back here on The Fan in New York City. Euro fit. Back to McCartan now at midnight here on the fan in New York City. We've had a changing of the guard behind the glass. Paulie Rosenberg is out. He says goodbye to all of you. And Brian McKeon is in. He's taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Um, last weekend, last weekend, I was finally able to check out the Kurt Warner movie. And I had a coupon for Redbox. I call it a coupon, like with the letter Q, coupon, okay? So I had a coupon for Redbox, and the Blu-ray disc was only, cost me only 79 cents. Of course I went for that. So American Underdog was just all right. I mean, if you're looking for a major football action and major football vibes, this is not the movie for you. I mean, I wanted it to be great. I like Kurt Warner. I respect his story. Probably one of the greatest undrafted players ever in the NFL. I just thought that the movie could have done a little better job with the football aspect of it all. So, to me, it was just more of like this difficult love story than anything. But, hey, if you're looking for a football-ish fix or your girlfriend or your wife They'll definitely like it. So I guess two birds, one stone, kind of like right. So overall, I'd say maybe like a eh, like a five out of ten. I mean, only wa- my recommendation is only watch if you're starving for football content. And with the lull right now, maybe you are, or maybe you're getting your fix at the NFL Combine watching that. I mean, you saw a six six. 341 pound defensive lineman named Jordan Davis today run a. Uh, what was it? 4.78 second 40 yard dash. I mean, 
What's your excuse? What's my excuse? I don't, maybe that's so. Next week, uh, with um, it sounds bougie to say this, but my trainer, the girl that I work out with, um, they have a one of those uh, vertical leap uh, measuring things where you like hit the hit the things. You know what I'm talking about that they do uh, at the draft. We're gonna do it, and she says she's gonna video me. So Tuesday, I'm going back on Tuesday. We're gonna we're gonna do that. I do, I, I was never I was never uh, a jumper. <laughs> So uh, we'll see how that goes with my five three height. I'm, I'm hoping just to hit the the second one, the second little thing. See what happens. All right, in the order that you call, let's go. Paul in Floral Park, you're up on the fan. Hello, how are you doing? What's up, Paul? How are you? Oh, right, good, good. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the Islanders played play the complete and total uh, game today. I exactly. thought so. Yeah, they they uh, they fought hard for for that win. Um, so a good win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm into the, I'm optimistic uh, too. So uh, let's see what happens. One one game at a time. Um, Major League Baseball. It's a, it's a, you know, I mean it's really ridiculous. Um. Who the hell uh, commenced them to, to take yesterday you up? To do what? I mean, uh, uh, to, they took the day off yesterday from the labor negotiations. Oh. Uh, for Saturday. <laughs> no, they took a couple days off there, Paul. That last one was oh, a Tuesday. Yeah. They took off so on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh. Jack Rabbits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, the, uh, the, the NFL uh, combine it looks pretty good. It looks real good. Yeah, I like it, it looks even I like better that there's no baseball going on. Yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know. Yeah, I'm just uh, keeping my fingers crossed. I'm, you know, I mean, uh, I've been a Yankee fan since 1977. Now I, I remember going to opening day in uh, 1977. Yeah, to that game, and that's uh, that's when they gave out the Reggie boys, and uh, Reggie Jackson hits a, a three-run shot. In the bottom of the first inning, and the fans started throwing the ball, uh, the candy bars on the field as he was <laughs> going around the base pit. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. They played the yeah, they played the Chicago White Sox, uh, Lamar Hoyt, and they, they wore those the throwback uh, swapball uniforms that they used to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Chad Lemon and yeah, yeah. Well, well, thank you, Danielle. All right, ciao, yeah, Paul. Ciao, ciao, right. ciao Paul. Stay safe All out there. Right. Hey, um, I, I asked two questions, and maybe you want to get aboard at 877-337-6666. My two questions were, um, I guess, complete the sentence. Today with no baseball, I, or today with no baseball, instead I, and I listed all the things I watched today, and I got some good tweets. Uh, Kevin Tuve said he watched some great college hoops. Sorry that the Dukies lost, is what he said. Uh, and you can tweet me, I coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I got another one from... Uh, uh, Brew um, at GB Hoonier. He said he watched the NASCAR racing, Duke, Islanders, Bruins, WWE, and UFC. It's, yeah, basically, look at all those substitutions. Said MLB baseball. Look at all those substitutions. I got a tweet from Rob. He said he watched college basketball and hockey and NBA. Both of which will get me, both of which will get me through June. Then football training camp will begin. And by then, I won't even notice that baseball is gone. Wow, what a problem that would be. For Major League Baseball. I mean, they need to get their stuff together. Uh, at 98, 1978, Corvette says he went to a baseball card show in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Coach Wilson said he loaded up on college hoops and golf bets. 
Yeah. People are f- starting to find other things. And, you know, when you do something, I, th- I think it's eight to ten times it becomes a habit. Uh, you know, I guess that means baseball can't, um, really can't afford people to go without watching baseball when they're supposed to be watching baseball for eight to ten days or else they're going to find new habits, new things to do. And the other question I had was, uh, what do you miss most about going to baseball games? What do you miss most? I miss the baseball travel. To Camden, New Jersey. To Kevin, we go on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about the penalty lockout a little bit. And yeah. I thought last week I was fired up. Unfortunately, I don't think you've seen anything yet. Because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty ticked off that they keep coming to this. Listen, I get it. You know, play, like I said, I'm not, I'm not taking sides because they're both about as equal to blame. Mm-hmm. But I got to say this. Manfred, what are you doing with the press conference? You're cracking jokes. You're smiling. Yeah. Oh, this boy. Is, this is not. I mean, I was like, this is nothing to be smiling about. Yep. I, I, I was like, that set off the wrong tone. And plus, he didn't even sound like he was upset. Like, look, he didn't even give any decent answers. Yeah. I mean, this is the man you want as the commissioner of your sport. Seriously. When I sent that tweet out this uh, when I, on Sunday or whatever the heck I sent it out, that's how I really felt because I'm like this guy. This guy, really, I, I, I can't say anything nice about him. I mean, I'm Kevin, like, if you watch that, watch that press conference, right? I did. The, I the, the jovialness of it, it. There's no sense of urgency from the from the, the oh, and, standpoint and, 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 of that. And I, I bet you, if he had his way, the whole season would be off. Because you think? To, to me, he's that stubborn. You think I, so? I, I, I just think he's that kind of guy. I, 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 I just from the, the. the so from the very beginning, though, I could see this guy was going to be an issue, and I didn't like Felix, but this guy. The day he retires, coach, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump out, I'm going to have a party. Seriously, when the guy finally is out, I'm going to really freaking have a party because I can't stand. But to answer your question, what do I miss about baseball? Uh, I miss the atmosphere, just the total atmosphere of the game. I just love being around the fans and just. Seeing tailgating and all that fun stuff. <laughs> you well, tailgate baseball I, games there, Kevin? Wow. Well, well, I, 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 I've done it a couple of times being at the uh, at the Phillies. I've, I, I've gone to Shea Stadium once. Yeah. Never been to City Field. Never been to Yankee Stadium for a game. I've gone most of my years at the Phillies. I like you know the atmosphere, except for when they're playing the Mets and then I have to win the Mets shirt and it's all Philly fans and they boo me and I, and I just you know. But no, I, I enjoy the atmosphere. <laughs> um, what, I, what I did say, well. I went with my girlfriend. That was fun. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed that. And a nice, quiet dinner, which was nice. Also watched this fan lot when I got home. You're killing me, small. <laughs> I have to get my baseball fix in. I am a baseball fanatic. Yeah. Like, I need it. I need. I, I, I go crazy without this. Man. Like, I love the NBA. I love football. Baseball. Maybe it's just me playing Little League when I was a boy. Third base, shortstop, and catcher. Those were my positions. Um, I just love baseball. I love, that's my favorite sport. So I hope that we get something done. But this clown, this commissioner, I don't know. I hope we get something done. I hope tomorrow they actually have something productive. That's a big word, productive. I hope they have something productive. But I'm not. I'm, I don't I'm, think I'm, so, I'm Kevin. Losing, I'm losing faith here. Tomorrow, well, tomorrow, all that it is is the the players' association is going to come back with a written proposal of everything they already said this past week, and maybe one or yeah, two other suggestions. Yeah. So it's going to go uh, nowhere tomorrow. No, nah, yeah, and, and how long? They've already lost what two weeks. And there's something that I do, I don't know if you brought it up in the show. Did you know that um, prospects on the point man roster cannot play? Yes. That, I mean, that's like yep. So Ron, Ronnie Mauricio. Um, 
I'm thinking about some, I don't know the Yankees people that can't play, but I know Mauricio. I know some of the major Mets prospects can't play. I'm like, this is. I mean, it's. Yep. I'm saying. I told you. I told you this a while ago. I think the Atlantic League Baseball, Staten Island, uh, Ferry Hawks. I'm going to be watching that. Being a Staten Island native, that's what I'm going to be doing. So this gets resolved. Hey, Kevin. Just, speaking of Staten yeah. Island, are you going to come out to the WFAN softball games? Did you hear about it? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, so I said it in the open. I'm going to tell you, Staten Island. Uh, Craig Carton set up a uh, fundraising game. Uh, it's going to be at, we're saving opening day, and I'm playing in the game. I hope Ooh. to see you there. It's at the College of Staten Island. I think it's called. That's Dude, what it's called. I've been there once for like a like a like a show. I haven't been I haven't been to Staten Island in a while, but I would love to be there. All right. I well, just, I just got to figure out how to get to New York. It's been a while. <laughs> well, I've, he's, you got time. I'm here with those seven. So yeah, you, it's, you it's get, been quite a while. You got time, but you know what though. Um, Tickets are not yet available, but as soon as they are, I'll, I'll, I'll send it out on social media. And I want to see you there, okay? I will do my best to be there for you, Coach. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thank Ta- talk tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, and, and in case anybody missed it, Craig put together this, this wonderful game. It's a fundraiser to benefit the stadium workers that are out of work, um, which is a, a wonderful. It's an excellent idea. So hats off to Craig for putting that together. And I'm very excited. You know, I talk a lot of crap, but I'm very excited to be a part of it. Um, to, to play in this game, I'm honored to play in this game, and I'm, and I'm honored and happy to do something good for somebody else to help raise some money um, for the struggling stadium workers that are already out two series' worth of pay here in New York. Never mind the people in Florida, but here in New York, uh, stadium workers are out two series' worth of pay. So we're just doing what we can and having fun while doing it. So uh, the 31st of March, the College of Staten Island, I better see you there. I want to see you there. I'm going to be playing. To the Bronx we go, and Douglas, you're up on the fan. Hello in the overnight, Danielle. <laughs> What's up, Douglas? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I think my favorite part uh, attending a ball game is just the settling in, like the, to get ready for the mm-hmm. game, because I feel there's like such an energy to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And I just, my favorite memories growing up, and even in recent years, happened before the game. So um, uh, that would be sorely missed, especially at a baseball. I mean, I've been to many other sporting events, but there's something about the baseball game. There's something very romantic about it. Very, um, um, I, I, uh, I'm very uh, fond of that feeling. I, you know, yeah, you're right. The, the getting ready, the preparing, the, the putting out. The, I, me, I'm crazy. I, I like hang my clothes out the night before. So I like going to sleep and you're like, oh, yes, I'm going to wear that jersey to the game tomorrow. The, the anticipation factor. You're right. I like that, yeah. too. I mean, yeah, and of course, uh, like the, the, the player throwing catch and the batting practice. Like, um, it was about uh, mm, the, the year the White Sox won the World Series, 2005. Mm-hmm. They came to Yankee Stadium. And at that time, if you remember the old Yankee Stadium, the seats, there were seats in front of Monument Park or, you know, to the side of it. Yeah. And before the game, I, I got the, uh, the pitching coach of, of the bullpen coach of the White Sox. He, he was a, a Korean man. I don't know his name offhand, but he like we were talking for like ten minutes, and he gave me a ball before the game. So yeah. I said, "Oh, that's pretty neat." <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean that's just one of the many memories. But um, so six weeks from now, it's going to be the seventy fifth anniversary of Jackie Robinson. Yes, I don't think they're I don't think they're going to make it. I don't you know, think they're going to make it. How terrible would that be? That would be awful. You're right. That's a great yeah. point. Six weeks from now, what's the date on that? Uh, one, April fifteenth, right? Is it the fifteenth of uh? 
tax day? I think of it tax day. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah, you're right. right? Just, just under six weeks from now. Yeah. How terrible would that be if they can't get their stuff? I, I, I want to say the other way, but they can't right. get their stuff together in time for that. Yeah. That would be a travesty. <laughs> You got to send him in to say that word, but you're not going to say it. You yeah, know? I can't. I'd have to. I'd have to dump myself, and then that wouldn't be. Yeah, good. <laughs> right. No, I read that. I read an article uh, from Rosenthal too, saying that the teams they'll start pay- giving back the rebate to the regional sports networks if they miss around 25 games or so, As which they would should. Put, yeah, which would put the return to, to late April, early May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by the way. By the way, that makes me think. If all these teams are complaining that that April's such a, a, a money loser, that I hope that doesn't set a precedent. Are we going to have May opening days? I mean, what's going on here? Well, so they're willing to sacrifice April. Oh, okay. I know. Um, I, I'll I'll miss it. I mean, I, I I've gone to plenty of April games in years past, but um, okay. Um, so yeah. So you mentioned the press conference. The previous caller, Kevin, he mentioned it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, one reporter asked Manfred that how about all these other mm-hmm. forms of content like Netflix and other forms yeah. uh, that people are checking out. Yeah. And Never mind other sports content, just other content that's out there. Yes. I didn't even think of I, that. Yeah. And I mean, he didn't have an answer and they have no answer. I mean, they, nope. I mean, it's like they have blinders on. I mean, they tell you, they tell that what else is going on in the world, but do they listen? No. They don't listen. Nope. And there's, there's also this form, and the longer this goes, and I, I feel like there is the sense of apathy that we could sense. And I vividly recall back in 94 when they announced uh, during that work stoppage that they were going to cancel the World Series. By that point, I was long gone. I was long gone on baseball by that point because being in New York, this is coming months off of the Knicks in the NBA Finals, so we had the NBA Finals, the NBA season to look forward to, uh, and of course, and this was the rise of cable TV. Uh-huh. So, like, I was, I was good. Like, I, like, we there was stuff to watch, and this is in the 94, 95. So, um, getting a lot of these contracts with TV and whatnot. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, and one other note too, um, 538, you know that website? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It did data about what the attendance is per game after all these past work stoppages. Mm-hmm. So in 72, when they came back, they were down 4%. In 81, they were down 7%. But in 95, because that took a long, that went from 94 into 95, mm-hmm. down 20%. Mm. And, of course, I just told you, I mean, yes, we were, they were incre- uh, slowly increasing in other forms of content. Now we're, we have jumped way far in terms of alternatives. Right. But, uh, the, but here's the key point. The per-game attendance did not recover from the pre-strike average until 2006. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, I mean... It, yeah, if they're cons- if they're really considering uh, a protracted work stoppage, uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's already on uh, shaky ground because uh, uh, the audience for baseball is getting older. But I mean, people have to attend the games too. So. Yeah, well, Douglas, as beautifully outlined by you, baseball is in trouble. Can you imagine? And not only that, they they had the the great steroid era, the home run era. 
Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds brought the game back to relevance after that. I wonder what this time, this time is going to bring. Uh, there's an, there's some other news that, um, I, 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 I say it like this. I'm with Hope Solo. Why the U.S. Women's National Team settlement victory is just a step in the right direction and not the grand slam that everyone thinks it is. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 2 a.m. So we've got another hour and 40 or so minutes. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making me part of your Saturday night or is it early Sunday morning? Whatever it is. Thank you. Um, I'm just posting up some pictures right now on at Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Also on on um, Instagram too. I'm just doing. I'm doing it as I talk here uh, at Coach M C C A R T A N on Twitter as well. Um, because, as you know, I, I was in Florida. I've, I've talked about it on, on spring break from school, so I kind of skipped out. I couldn't wait to get out of town, and I went down to my cousin's house in Florida. And ca- this kind of came together really quickly. Like to me, I, I thought it was quite. Um, and I'm. I feel like I'm in sort of in tune with the team. You know, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team, and and I kind of. Um, you know, I'll just take a couple minutes. I just want to talk about this because it kind of came up really fast. Like all of a sudden, they had a they had a settlement, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So I emailed, and then all of a sudden, I found myself with an invitation, a Zoom invitation to the 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 Zoom call, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I packed up all my crap from the beach like so fast. I'm like thinking of questions as I'm shoving the chair into the bag and everything, and you know, um, the longstanding lawsuit against U.S. soccer came to an end, and and. Literally, I'm thinking about all this. I'm thinking, jogging my brains and my memory. I'm racking my brains of like, okay, like, all right, what do I know about this? How much do I know? What are the dollar amounts? You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing this as I'm putting, packing up the, the, the speaker and the chair and the umbrella and the cooler. And I'm like, okay, I got to I gotta focus here. And, uh, you know, the parties, they settled for $24 million, which would be $22 million to be split among the players. And then $2 million to be put into a what I'm going to call the Grow the Game Fund. And out of that fund, the players can apply for up to like $50,000 at a time to put towards women and girls soccer programs, which is great. But, oh my God, 90 minutes later after I left the beach, I was on a, and I showered and everything. I was on a call with Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, Becky Sauerbrunn, and the, the, USF's USSF president, Cindy Parlo Cohn, who was just reelected or elected uh, of U.S. soccer today. President of U.S. soccer, she was elected today, Saturday, I guess. First female one ever, former player. And, and Crystal Dunn, who's been a guest on this show, New York local. She was on my homegrown Olympian segment. She couldn't be on the call because she was, at the time, in a meeting to negotiate a new, guess what, CBA. So that's where this, is, this uh, gets interesting. And this is, I hate to say it, but this is kind of where I side with Hope Solo. Like, all right, number one, for all of the players to get the money, it is contingent upon the ratification of this new CBA between the Players Union and the U.S. Soccer. 
and U.S. soccer was expecting to be done as soon as March. Okay, well, it's now March 6th, and still nothing. And in it, U.S. soccer is expected to commit to providing an equal rate of pay moving forward and for the women's and men's national teams, quote, in all friendlies and tournaments, including the World Cup. Okay, so Hope Solo, who's who was a former goalie for the U.S. women's national team, medal winner, the whole thing, she wrote in a blog post that it's infuriating and heartbreaking. And she said that Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan both know that this is not a win. So while I'm on that Zoom call and someone asked what was my role on it, um, I had a couple questions ready to go if they were to call on me, but they didn't. So I guess my role was just watcher. Um, but um, my question was going to be, if, if I were called upon, I don't know how to say this without actually saying it, but what I was going to ask is to what degree has your original mission been realized years later, even though the dollar amount isn't what you originally had asked for? Like, in other words, it was a nice way to ask. You sued for $66.7 million and you settled for $22 million. How was that able to be called um, mission complete? And Hope Solo sort of said the same thing. So Solo wrote, read the fine print contingent upon negotiation of a new collective bargaining agreement. It doesn't yet exist, and it's not guaranteed. If the players had ever been successful in negotiating an equal CBA, there would have been no reason to sue the Federation in the first place, end quote. But that is true because the women claimed a long time ago that they agreed to what they thought was the best offer that they were presented with, only to find out much later, years later, that the men's deal, which they allegedly had never seen, was much better. And Megan Rapinoe said that, quote, there is no real justice in this other than it is never going to happen again with the settlement of the working conditions and this settlement, which is contingent upon the CBA, that will have equal pay moving forward. There's no other way to look at it than just a monumental win, win for women's sports and women's soccer in particular. Okay, yes, it's historic. Yes, I felt like I was part of history being on a Zoom call. Yes, there was a settlement, and yes, these women are now armed with the knowledge of how this bargaining process works, and they've also merged with the men's team, with their support, and they're going to work more as a unit than two separate entities. And So I guess live and learn, right? Well, Saturday, Hope Solo, I think it was Saturday, Friday, recent, two days, within the past couple days, Hope Solo posted a two-minute interview clip on... uh, with her and Carly Lloyd. It was the first episode of the Hope Solo Speaks. I think it's on Sirius XM. It hasn't debuted yet. But Carly Lloyd said, It wasn't fun going in, and it was only for the love of the game for me. I wanted to win. I wanted to help the team. But the culture within the team was the worst I'd ever seen it. Carly Lloyd, a guest on this show. And then Hope Solo said, I don't think people understand how difficult emotionally and mentally that is. It's tough. I just wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to be cutthroat, and I wanted to win but you still have to play the political game and the social game sometimes. So, yes, it's historic, all of that, all of the above. But, again, there's always three sides to every story. So, bottom line, great win for women's soccer, great advancement for women's sports, but yet again, they sued. They only got a third of what they were suing for, and that, again, is continued upon a new CBA. And, oh, 
Doesn't that sound familiar? The clock has ticked past midnight. We are now on day 95 of the MLB lockout, of MLB's lockout. No no the. I hate when people do that, and I, I slip there. Um, but we are on day 95 of MLB lockout, and um, with no hope in sight. <laughs> hope solo? No, no hope in sight for baseball, I don't think. Tomorrow's meeting is just going to be a formality. Uh, if you're expecting something from tomorrow's meeting, forget about it. And we'll, uh, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think May 1st, opening day. Let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. To Point Pleasant, Jersey we go. Eric, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Coach? Thanks so much for taking my phone call. Uh, thanks for making it. I, um, you know... It's, it's funny that we're talking about uh, women's soccer and how they're trying to build the sport, and it's awesome that you're able to be part of that. And I would love to see baseball kind of like take a page from that book and learn how to grow the sport, to work together, to build what could, to me, is like the greatest sport. In a, I, I, I love it. It allows me to just disconnect, really focus on the game, and I'm really sad and obviously very disappointed that we can't have games right now. I don't understand, and I don't know how they're going to be able to work this out because it seems to me like the owners are really ready to draw the line in the sand and wait out the games through April. Mm -hmm. And to me, they have the upper hand, and unless players are united and they're going to wait out even longer, which I I think if, if I'm going to side with the players, I think they should be waiting out as long as humanly possible to try and get whatever deal that is that they're looking for. But... At the same time, both of them, both sides, are destroying what could be a population of people that that could fall in love with this game the way that I have. They're 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 doing irreparable damage to the sport itself, and I just don't see how this turns out well for anybody. I I, I don't I don't know where to go from here, and I, I, it's frustrating for me. I'm sure it's frustrating for everybody. I just don't know where they go from here. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. No, go ahead. Finish. I, I have I have a question for you, mm-hmm. and I guess this is, is I'm a Yankees fan. I've been a Yankees fan since forever, um, and I feel like with the, with the Yankees, they need to do one of two things in order to get better. And I don't see where they're going to get better because they're clearly not trying to get better. Um, they either spend in free agency or they have to stop prospect hugging and um, they have to be able to, to go via trade. And I'm not talking about like trying to find the reclamation project like a Luke Voigt, yeah. um, like they did with Luke or they did with uh, Gio Urshel. I'm talking about getting a really valuable player. What moves would you have the Yankees do um, if you were playing GM? I'm always kind of curious. I know what I would do. I'd spend money um, and and wait for those prospects to come through. But I feel like banking on those prospects is not wise in their in, uh, on their part. And they have the financial might to do what they need to do, kind of like Uncle Stevie's doing over in Queens. Um, so what would you, what would you do if you had the opportunity to play GM? What would what would be your moves? So Eric, there there are a lot of options that the Yankees could do. My first question to you is: Do you want me to keep Aaron Judge long term or cut him loose? That's that's where this is all starts. I don't see where there's a, a scenario where you don't keep Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. He's sort of the face of your franchise, mm-hmm. and I don't know who would be the incumbent. 
you know, face of your franchise, if not for Aaron Judge. So I would hope okay. that, yeah, you would sign Aaron Judge long-term. Okay, so we're keeping Aaron Judge long-term, which means that there's going to be a lot of money wrapped up in him. So with that being said, you know, the Yankees are going to have, uh, and the numbers are escaping me at the moment. I, you could probably look them up, but Garrett Cole has a monster contract. John Carlos Stanton has yep. a monster contract. Judge will have a will have a monster contract. That's three that are over. I want to, off the top of my head, say over twenty five million dollars annually. Three players over or, off Absolutely. the top of my head. Okay, Brian McKeon's telling me he's correcting me. Stanton is twenty four million. Okay, close enough. <laughs> okay, so. Three monster mega deals. I don't see how you can go out and, and spend money um, because Hal had a, had a hesitancy to um, not want to go over the luxury tax to begin with. We don't know what that number is going to be. It will be going up a little bit. So I think it has to be done via trade, via the trade route. So what I'm doing, um, my infield, my ideal infield for the Yankees would look like this. I would say Matt Olson at first base. I would make a trade for Matt Olson. I'd have DJ LeMahieu at second base. I'd have a stopgap guy at shortstop like Andrelton Simmons for a season or two while I wait out Volpe because he's your cheap option. And then at third base, you go Urshela and you you, you trade uh, Glaber Torres. I mean, Brian Cashman told you that he's not a shortstop. He's more of a second baseman anyway. So, okay. Well, you just locked up DJ LeMahieu for how many more years? So, who's the odd man out? It's it's Torres. I'd trade him for pitching. What do you think? It's 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 you know for for me like I don't if you're trading with the A's, um, are you trading Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres to the A's? And if that's the case, are the sure. A's willing to take that that amount of contract on? They're getting rid of Olsen, who you figure would is going to make what ten to twelve million dollars over the course of what next year. I don't know that you're going to be able to trade Glaber Torres, and unless you maybe try to attach it with, um, you maybe taking Chris Bassett off of their hands, somebody who's going to make some money, you know, on the pitching side of things, who's on a one-year. I got what one year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, to pick that up, the, the, the problem is, and when you do something like that, do you feel like you're taking away the versatility of a DJ LeMahieu, um, who can play around the field, um, and then who's your utility guy? Who's going to come up and, and do that? I was kind of secretly hoping prior to this um, this Jung, um, I forget his first name, for the Rangers, he was supposed to be like their their up-and-coming third baseman to be able to sort of poach that Kiner Falefa away from uh, from from them as your stopgap shortstop via trade. You might be able to get him, uh, but that is clearly not going to happen now with that injury for that for that young third, third baseman that they have. It's, yeah. it's kind of a mess. And to me, if if you're not willing to trade a Volpe or a Peraza or any of those guys, obviously Jason Dominguez, like. I don't see where you're going to going to get any anywhere unless you're going to spend money. And I understand having right. those three big contracts. They're the Yankees. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They're the, they're the Yankees, yep. and it's it's funny. I, I read an article the other day that if the baseball salary, if this salary cap, this 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 luxury tax threshold had gone up, 
in the same way that revenue increases and revenue profits had gone up for the ownership, mm-hmm. that if it were to go up incrementally with the same uh, percentage points as, as it had and, and in reference to that profit, we'd have almost a $300 million uh, ceiling or the, you know, we're yeah. calling that, that like salary cap. It'd yeah. be almost $300 million. It's, it's incredible to me. And like I said, some people are willing to blow past it and obviously the Yankees are not. It's just unfortunate because they can't hug the prospects and not spend money and say, yes, we're going to take our chances um, with putting out a championship caliber team. Cause right. it's obviously not going to happen. Right. And you know what? And, and it's a sh- Eric, good call there. It's a shame that the Yankees wouldn't do it. Go out there and be the Yankees. That's listen. That's my strategy. If I was GM of the Yankees, that would be my strategy. Just that's it. Go out and spend, spend, spend. Blow everybody out of the water. Deal with it. But Hal is not his father. That's not how he does things. And the problem that the Yankees had, and we talked about it before before this whole thing happened. We talked about it. How the Yankees are so. You said it. You got it. Prospect hugging like. Look what happened. They weren't willing to trade Clint Frazier. Look where that got them. They weren't willing to trade Miguel Andujar. Look where that got them. So you got to look at what you have and say, okay, we have been so close. What do we need to push ourselves over the hump? To me, to me, well, first of all, it's it's pitching for me. But you have to think about, too, you don't have a shortstop currently, like right now. I mean, right now, if the season started, Glaber Torres is your shortstop. And, and what about first base? Luke Voigt would be your first baseman. I mean, I think attractive on their deals is that Glaber Torres has two more years, as it stands right now, of arbitration eligible el- eligibility. Luke Voigt has two more years left of arbitration eligibility. I think those are two attractive pieces. So, those are two trade bait things that I would do for the Yankees. And I think with the baseball lockout on the forefront of fans' minds uh, and all the money involved in that, uh, and just composed, I can never say this word, against the current economic climate, I I think that a bill introduced in the House, and you know this is not a political show, but I think this is something that's going to unite a lot of sports fans across this country, regardless of your political affiliation. I'll do a poll on social media, at Coach McCartney on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook doesn't allow polls, but you can find me there too, facebook.com slash Coach McCartney. My question is, would you support the House lawmakers' bill that would eliminate subsidies for the construction of professional sports stadiums, in this climate especially? And as we await the, uh, the, the results of USC, the main event, of USC 272. We'll debate that, and hopefully um, we'll take some more of your calls, and then hopefully by the end of that we'll have uh, the result of Covington Masvidal, which, spoiler alert, I put my money on Masvidal. I'm Daniel McCartan with you till 2 here on The Fan in New York City. Hey, Connecticut, if you want name brand tires at the guaranteed lowest price and the most free services, then get to Town Fair Tire. Fan in New York City. 
Danielle Carton with you till 2, and Brian Rascona comes your way then. I'm typing this up on Twitter as we speak. There's a character limit, apparently, um, and I can't do this whole thing, so I'm struggling. Uh, my question is, and it's a poll. Oh, wow. Now I'm really out of characters. Ugh. All right. Well, here it is. Would you support a bill that would eliminate subsidies for the construction of pro stadiums? And I know I didn't spell that right on Instagram, but there's a character limit. So I think this is something that I think, I think in the current climate, I think with a lot of the books being open, peeled back, everything, people are starting to realize how much money is out there. So do you think that we, the taxpayers, should be paying or helping in the construction of professional sports stadiums? So I think, I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think we're all going to be on the same team on this one. So if you want to vote, uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong, at Coach MCCARTAN on Instagram and Twitter. We'll check in on that in a minute. Because just recently, House... Lawmakers, uh, it doesn't matter the political affiliation, okay? We're not getting into that. It's not a political show. But they reintroduced a bill that would eliminate subsidies for the construction of professional sports stadiums. All states, all sports. And it's called, ready for this one, the No Tax Subsidies for Stadiums Act of 2022. The name gets right to the point. Uh, Jackie Spear, one of the lawmakers, said, she said, there is no justification for these multi-billion dollar franchises to be eligible for tax-exempt municipal bonds. This is tax dollars that could be used for any number of really important public interest programs. Over the course of 20 years, it represents a loss of $4 billion and probably much more. I think, though, that this group in particular is just focused on the NFL. I don't think um, these quotes are about the, all their sports, but this guy Don Bayer, Bayer from Virginia, he adds... Super rich sports team, team owners like Dan Snyder do not need federal support to build their stadiums, and taxpayers should not be forced to fund them. Billionaire owners who need cash can borrow from the market like any other businesses. Arguments that stadiums boost job creation have been repeatedly discredited. This is him, not me. And he said, in a time where there's debate over whether the country can afford investments in healthcare, childcare, education, fighting climate change, it is ridiculous to even contemplate such radical misuse of publicly subsidized bonds. So I did a little research. I looked around in our area. MetLife Stadium. It was completed in the year 2010. There were no public funds used for the actual stadium. At the time, Woody Johnson said, it's the first stadium in the country that's privately financed. But, but, look a little further, dig a little deeper than that, you'll find that $250 million was spent by the state to improve the area around it. And the state gave to both teams 20 acres of land to use for their practice facilities. So there's that. Yankee Stadium, completed in 2009. About $1.2 billion came from the form of public tax money and tax breaks up there in the Bronx. City Field, also completed in 2009, according to my research. $613 million were used from public money and tax breaks. We'll even go to Red Bull Arena. The city and county government spent $84 million buying land for the stadium and building a parking deck. Prudential Center, 
opened in 2007. $305 million of public dollars. Barclays Center opened in 2012. Received $260 million in state and city funding in addition to property tax exemptions from 20, uh, 2004 to 2018 to the tune of $267 million. The source for all that, the New York Times. That all makes me sick. I mean, for what they charge us for tickets and parking and, and, and beer and food and, and everything that goes along with going to a game. Jerseys, merchandise, caps, foam fingers. Those ridiculously priced concessions. I would absolutely and fully, I would fully support a bill that takes away public funding for these billionaire owners who turn a profit on us in every which way that we go and we support our teams. From the gate admission to the concessions to the um, souvenir shops. I mean, they are getting us coming and going and also helping them build the stadiums themselves. I mean, really? Really? And I know, I know, I'm not a public you know, politician or anything, but I know just like this collective bargaining agreement that there are more intricacies to this. But I think that the general concept has been conveyed. Would you want to continue to finance stadiums for owners that can clearly afford them? And we'll go to the phones at 877-337-6666. Paul in Floral Park says on Twitter, he said, I voted no with an exclamation point. And looking at this poll, let me pull it up on Twitter. This is a little closer than I thought it was, everybody. Six, I'm going to round up. 62% of you that voted said that, yes, you would support the bill. That would eliminate subsidies for the construction of professional sports stadiums. And then I'm looking at Instagram. Oh, we got no votes on Instagram? Come on. Come on, everybody. Get up there and vote. And I got a couple out here. Speaking of Instagram, I, I posted up on Instagram too. Um, what? Uh, okay, here's how I said today without baseball. Instead, I dot dot dot. Got a couple responses here on Instagram. I got one from uh, mostly like my camel. <laughs> he said, "I watched UFC even though I'm not a huge fan." Alan Jr. said he went shopping, <laughs> and uh, KCM. Said he's got to watch the local news at 7 because <laughs> there's nothing else on. And Mad8289 said he watched Syracuse blow an 18-point lead. And that was another thing, too. A lot of people are starting to get more deeper into uh, March Madness with that going on. So getting back to the, the, the lockout and talk and all that, I mean, I... I heard some other hosts talking about, oh, the kids, they might not be into it. I'm telling you right now, I'm in the classroom every day. These kids are not interested in baseball. They're not. And it's a shame. They, they say it's too slow. Uh, you know, I also had a kid, too. He walked in uh, the other day with a, a James Harden jersey, the gray one. You know, the, I, I kind of like them, actually. I think they're pretty cool. Uh, but it said 13. I said, oh, come on. James Harden? Come on, man. He goes, I know, I know. So he ended up going, uh, I said, what are you going to do? I think they could do like a jersey exchange where you got it from. And he was like, yeah, I'll try. 
So I said, so if they do, what are you gonna what are you gonna get instead? You know what he said? Oh, I don't know. Probably a Trey Young jersey. I'm like, what? Just keep the Harden jersey. He's gonna trade a Harden jersey for a Trey Young one. But that's it. it the kids are interested in basketball mostly. Um, they talk a lot about football. They're actually starting to talk a lot about hockey, which is which is. I don't know. I, I guess. I guess to be expected. I mean, hockey's fast. Hockey's physical. Hockey's engaging. It's all the things that baseball is not. And I hate to say it. And you know, we talked. We talked last week. Uh, whatever day, sun, Saturday or Sunday, or both of them. I think Sunday. How. One of the the biggest things that we talked about on that show was banning of the shift. We talked about it earlier. Neil called in. And and I was the biggest proponent of hit the ball the other way. You're a professional baseball hitter. You have to learn how to do it. Bunt the ball the other way. Bunt the, There's nobody on the third base side. Just put a bunt down that way. But, and here's the word I was searching for. We have not really accounted for the proliferation of the modern-day pitcher. 100 miles an hour is standard. Eight-inch brakes on breaking balls, standard. So when I started really digging, right, really digging, and listen, I was the biggest person to say, no, baseball, you have to spray the ball to all fields. I I was, every, every juncture, I was on that bandwagon. And then all of a sudden I started to see some things. I started to see some numbers, some shifts, some, some some diagrams and, and and I started to slowly revise my opinion about that because I was talking to Derek Jeter about other things and I know everybody went crazy about how many times I mentioned I talked to Derek Jeter but it, it's worth it because when Derek Jeter says something you start to listen and that's exactly what I did he he non prompted told me that baseball should ban the shift. In different words, but I'm definitely paraphrasing there. But he said baseball should ban the shift. That was in October he told me that. So then I started thinking since October. I'm like, all right. Well, maybe he's got a point. Maybe I should look into this. So I started really thinking about it and really thinking about it. And, you know, it was kind of, again, ignited by Joey Gallo's comments of changing the game. And then, I mean, think about it. I talked about that on, like, Sunday. Derek Jeter was out in Miami on, I think it was Monday. And I was sitting there like, oh, my God, I hope I hope I had nothing to do with that. I hope I had nothing to do with that. Really, I mean, the coincidence factor of that. Some, some, I got a couple tweets that said, like, wow, do you think you contributed to Derek Jeter leaving Miami? Oh, no, I hope not. I hope not. But I think that was just a uh, – and people are taking notice that – Maybe uh, Derek Jeter and, and the rest of the, the Marlins had different philosophies and how to go about business. So, I don't know. But the coincidence on that was not lost on me, and I felt bad initially, and then I found out the reasoning for it and everything. And Oh, and by the way, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought that all these rule changes were going to kind of go by the wayside because they're trying to figure out the numbers and all that. But, Seems to be that they're they're willing to talk on a lot of these things. And guess what? The shift is one of them. I saw a tweet today 
ah, I forget who it was from, but saying that the players seem to be more interested in banning the shift than putting a pitch clock in. Hmm. I think they should do both. I mean, every sport has a time clock. Football has a play clock. Basketball has a shot clock. Uh, and and three in the key. And uh, volleyball, you have a certain amount of seconds to serve the ball. I mean, think about it. What, bowling doesn't have a, a clock? All right. Really? I don't know. I just think that I, I think it needs to. One thing is to go faster, and one thing is to be more engaging. And I think, you know, if there's a pitch clock on there. Pitcher might make a mistake. Pitch clock might run out. And oops. Well, I don't know. The catcher might not know what he's going to throw. Pass ball, whole thing. So, I think that that is a is a good thing. Give me the pitch clock. Give me the robotic umpires. Give me a guy that's going to uh, kind of oversee what's going on at the stadium. Like like the XFL did. They had like a spotter that anytime there was something wrong, there was somebody already watching it making the right call from somewhere. Don't have to, you know, the umpires, they go over to the box, they put the headphones on, they stand there, the box has to be brought out to begin with, the whole, the whole thing. I don't want to see that. Commercial break before, during, and after it. Come on already. Have somebody watching from a central location be like out at second base. And then they put the headset on and they say, out at second base. That took all of 10 seconds. Keep the game moving. So it's one thing to speed up the game, but it's more, one another thing to get the game to be more engaging. And those are three ways that you could do it right now. Robotic umpires, which I, I probably are coming. Pitch clock. And have, have a spotter that, that's, that's looking out for things. And, and also, too, ban the shift. It's time. Sorry, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I said that. Maybe not ban the shift. Maybe just amend it. So back when we were kids, when there was a shortstop and a third baseman on the left side of second base, and a second baseman and a first baseman on the right side of second base, hits up the middle, or again, hits up the middle. And stop with these six. I mean, there was an egregious screenshot that I saw with uh, for Joey Gallo. I mean, I'm not sticking up for the guy, really. But there were literally seven fielders. On the outfield dirt in right field. I mean, come on. And he was one of the guys that led the league last season in bun hits. So there you go. All right, we've got a quick update from, is it still Kevin Dexter? He's not listening. Kevin Dexter still on the update? Fan in New York City, I'm Daniel McCartan. With you till two. When Brian Rescona comes your way, he is here. He's giving me the, the high sign. He's giving me the wave. He'll take you from, is it Brian, two to six? I think it's two to six. He'll take you uh, into your Sunday morning. Final results are in on the poll, by the way. Would you support the House lawmakers' bill that would eliminate subsidies for the construction of professional sports stadiums? 72% of you said, yes, you would support that bill. MLB lockout. Something else, man. I think opening day, May 1st. Unfortunately. Uh, this this playoff thing, this postseason formulation and, and all this is just it's just too much. 
And they're still $18 million apart on the luxury tax threshold, which is the real sticking point. To the phones we go. 877-337-6666. Steve in Manhattan, you're up next on The Fan. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Danielle. Uh, listen, <laughs> Danielle, uh, I just announced on another station that I'm going to be on your show. So your audience is big. It's going to now be humongous now after I just did that. What happened? You know? What did you do? I told her, I, I called in. I told them I'm going to be on FAM with Danielle. I told them on the air. Then they hung up on me, but it got out there. That's what <laughs> they get for that's what they get for banning me. What like the, the audience will come right over. But well, um, welcome audience from that other wherever. <laughs> they should, yeah, yeah they, they'll come over. They know I'm here. They'll come over. Listen before I get to the meat and potatoes. Um, a quick Kurt Warner uh, smoothie uh, story. Um, Smoozy had seven quarterbacks in the class of 83. Everyone knows there's only six. He was counting Kurt Warner as one of the quarterbacks. And I mm-hmm. told Smoozy, I called in. This is when the fan used to let me call in. I said, Smooth, listen, I know you're looking at the screen. And you do see Kurt Warner's name there, but that's Kurt Warner, the running back, not the quarterback. Because Kurt Warner would have Brady beat. He'd be playing in his 50s, right, if he was in the, <laughs> the class of 83. Yeah. Yeah, that, folks, that's when they used to let me call in. Now, um, there's a good chance I'll be playing in that FAN softball game, folks, just that you know. Really? So that means they'll be scalping tickets in the parking lot. Carton will be going out to center field, building temporary uh, bleachers out there to catch the, the overflow of the crowd. You know, Carton will be barking out nonsensical orders to look like he's in charge, like him and Al Haig, they're in charge. And, um, and Carton's already got his hands all over this. He's telling people, yeah, I can guarantee you maybe one at bat if the game goes in extra innings. He's lucky I'm not the manager there. But I think the most important thing is I think you should get in super condition for this game and, and take it over. Not just play in the game, but take it over. What do you think? What do you mean? I mean, I mean, these guys, basically, Carton and those guys train on you know marshmallows and chocolate cake now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You could go in there and just maybe an inside-the-park home run. I mean, oh, we know I baseball. We know baseball is dictated by, you know, the ball has to be hit to you to make a great play. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the ball won't be, so you've got to make the game exciting yourself. I, I hear younger guys. I've spoken to them. Oh, the game is boring. You know what I tell them? So why don't you just make it exciting yourself? Why don't you go in there and steal five bases in a game or something? Oh, yeah. You make the game exciting. And on the shift and everything, first of all. Wait, Steve, before you go any farther. Yeah. I um I, I went to the gym today. I started running yes, yesterday, Friday, Saturday. I'm going to go again on Sunday. I've been going. I'm going to the gym, weight training twice a week. So I am uh, I'm ready. I just got to get into you know baseball shape again. You know what I mean? It's a little different. Yeah, but baseball shape, but all total conditioning because yeah, you know you, you, you're coming out. This is like the first game, right? You yeah, be a little like you did say, right? You could be rusty, but a little you rusty. Have- you don't have to be rusty. I would have you run in the bases with the medicine ball, and when you get to second base, you shoot it out. They give you another one. You run the dirt, you shoot. I mean, I would have you in top condition, but I think you are anyway, right? Aren't you ready to go? I, I think so. I, you know what? I, it's always different, though, to take you know the first couple balls off of a bat, you know, just to get into the feel and the rhythm of it. I'd like to do a couple of those before I, uh, before I get out yeah. there on the 31st. Yeah. yeah, but that's what you should be practicing yep. and everything. You should be practicing all that stuff. Yep. You should be in mid-season condition for the first game. That's, the, that's what you should. You should be the best condition and ready to play. At. Listen, let's face the facts. One rain drop, you know Al Dukes ain't coming out of that dugout. <laughs> and Evan Roberts, what does he do? He wears, I seen him one time play. He's, ba- he's a distraction. His baseball pants, folks, uh, if you never oh, seen him. He said he's like going to announce the chest. game. What? He's going to announce the game, he said. He's, uh, who? Who's uh, going to announce? Uh, Evan Roberts. 
He said he's going to announce he, the game. Is he going to play in the game? I don't, I don't think it, so. He's going to be mic'd up or something. Come on, he always plays. He's one of the guys who always plays. At least you throw the phone on that. I have All no right, idea. He, maybe he will announce the game. But like I said, folks, if I play in that game, the, you will see a big difference in, a, in, in, the, in the crowd there. And plus, if that's Staten Island Field, college, I think that's where they're playing. They yeah, I think, I, yeah. I played on that field, right? That ballpark does not look like it could hold a lot of people, if I remember correctly. Uh-oh. Maybe they have other fields or something. I don't know. It doesn't look like. Uh, but I could pitch a cart and barking out the orders, nonsensical orders like that. But getting serious now. But first of all, I think you should be in top condition when you can just take over the game, if you know what I'm saying. I'll do it. Yeah. And the thing with, if, listen, if I live close to you, I throw with you every day. Every day we'd be throwing every day. Get your arm in shape. That's more important, too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I got to find throw. someone and throw with me. That's another yeah. thing. Well, like the old saying, you got to find the wall then. Yeah. And throw off the wall. But on the, uh, first of all, DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak, folks, he didn't bunt once in that thing. And I heard him comment on it. He said, listen, I didn't even think about bunting. I'm just coming up there to hit. And on the shift, I don't believe. They, they should outlaw it. I think it's part of the game. If you can't deal with it, then either you're going to be sitting on the bench or you're going to be, you know, doing something else for a living. Um, this guy that got on Gallo's case, of course, the old-timers, guys older than me who watched the game, it's unacceptable to strike out whatever it was 150 times and mm-hmm. stuff. But doesn't he do what they say? He has a good on-base percentage. He walks. He scores runs. He knocks in runs. And he hits home runs. And he plays a good defense out in the outfield. The, 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 the day of the guys batting and, and striking out like 15 times, like DiMaggio in his season, those days are long gone. Yeah. They play a different game. I, from talking to these kids, they emphasize bat speed, bat speed. That's all they talk about. We were taught bat speed, but we were also taught to hit the pitch where it was right. and, and get your timing down. And that it was That's, embarrassing to walk back to the dugout after having struck out. Exactly, right. And, and of course, yeah, right. But now they don't care. And the thing is always like – you, you would watch maybe after you hit a few times, you might see one of the players make an adjustment on the field. Mm-hmm. And then when that person makes the adjustment in a softball game, it's very easy to do. You hit the ball where the guy was just standing. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know? Wait, by the but, way, I looked up as you were talking, uh, Joe DiMaggio's strikeout percentage in his career. You want to take right. a guess, the percentage? No, I know. I know about Joe D. Even though Joe D is one for one, just almost one for one on home runs ratio to strikeouts, which is unbelievable. Yeah, you're right about that. And the strikeout percentage is 4.8% in his career. Career! DiMaggio hit 361 homers. He struck out 368 times. And Bear is pretty close to him, too, in that, in that, uh, in that stat. Uh, then again, you know, people talk about Ted Williams. They talk about Joe DiMaggio. Listen, I know who I would have on my team. Joe D is five tools. He can play it all. Mm-hmm. He's a winner. He wins championships. But I would just talk to the best pitcher that time, Bob Feller. And they asked him, who is the toughest pitcher, I mean, batter you faced? And he said it, Joe DiMaggio, without question, is the toughest batter I ever faced. Mm-hmm. And luckily, Williams and DiMaggio were both, both in the same league with Bob Feller, and you would actually be able to see this. And Ted Williams was a little bit younger, taking nothing away from the guy, but he was not a 5 tool player, that's for sure. He was not a good outfielder, not a good base runner. Decent, but DiMaggio had it all. And he knew how to play the, you know, the, the batters. A, a good example, Yogi Berra, near the end of his career, he played left field. They said to him, Yogi, you play such a good left field. Why, how do you do that? You would catch it. He goes, I know every hitter in this league. <laughs> Berra was, yeah, Berra, listen, you watch Mazeroski's home run, right? Berra is perfectly tracking the ball. He just runs out of real estate, that's all. Wow. Now, the thing with the shift, um, 
I'm I'm for the shift. Like I just said, deal with it. If you can't mm-hmm. get in, you know, do something else. Mantle's five hundred is a home run, right? It was they put the Orioles had a shift on him, but the only problem with the shift was they didn't have Frank Robinson sitting on the roof, and that's the bottom line. If well, you can hit, here, you can hit. Steve, I, you can't. I don't know. And, and thanks for the call, there, Steve. Good stuff, but I, you can't compare the pitchers that DiMaggio faced to the pitchers that Mantle faced, and I think that is one thing that we are not accounting for in this because uh, the proliferation of the pitcher, I mean, they go, I I read an article once where I think it was Justin Verlander. And this is, I mean, don't quote me on this. I think it was Justin Verlander. He went to the Astros like clinic or whatever. And, and they were like, okay, we've studied you and you're delivering everything and you can get more break on your breaking ball. If you release it three inches higher, like, they didn't have that kind of science going. And, it, you know, thanks for the call there, Steve. And you know your stuff because you were right about the home run to, to strikeout ratio for DiMaggio and you know, just off the top of your head. But we are not accounting for how much better, like, elite the pitching is. I mean, like I said, 100 miles an hour is standard. The break on pitches, and there's five different pitches. And this is what Freddie Freeman had said. He was like, if it was that easy, I would do it. That's another thing that kind of got me thinking. I'm like, well, if it if it was that easy, he probably would do it. And so, because you know what? His livelihood livelihood is affected by it. People, you know, give him a contract based on based on his production on the field. You know? So so it is affecting him and his bottom dollar and his bottom line. So when when he says that if it was that easy, he would do it, I believe him. And uh, just an update from UFC. Colby Covington defeats Jorge Masvidal by unanimous decision. Ah. I had Masvidal with a TKO or a knockout. That's what I bet. Ah. They're good odds, though. I play the odds. Oh, man. Get into that in a little bit. We're going to have the fight fan. WFAN's the fight fan. Podcast host. You know. You know him. The Pete Hoffman calling in in a little bit here on the fan. Um, speaking of you know minor league baseball and supporting other teams, I got a nice package in the mail. I don't know when it came. Sometimes this week, I guess uh, it was in my on top of the didn't fit in my mailbox here at the radio station. It was on top of it. I got a nice package from the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones. A couple caps, a couple schedules, and ticket pricings, and. Might have to make my way out there with this cap that I'm wearing right now. I picked the uh, picked the standard one. They sent me a few different uh, color schemes and stuff. Uh, one of these. I gotta check the sizing on it too, because I did ask for for one for Pat Boyle. I gotta check the sizes on them, see if they sent for him too. But they might all be in my size. Sorry, Pat. I think so. I think I gotta check the boxes over there. I'll get it and look. Um, but hey, start supporting your minor league teams. And your independent ball teams. Why not? It's cheaper to go to the games anyway. And I, I tried setting up, I guess I'm still in the process of setting up something at the Somerset Patriots. A uh, a little group outing. I emailed Spike, uh, I don't know, two Fridays ago? Friday the... I don't even know. Two Fridays ago, I guess it was. Yeah, 25th, I think it was. And uh, just, you know, for permission. I got the ticket guy, you know, hey, hey, you want to do it? You want to do it? I'm like, uh, I don't know, I'm still waiting on an email back. 
But my thought was to make it a fundraiser for the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Two birds, one stone. So I guess uh, stay tuned for that. Got to get an email back from Spike uh, with the green light or the red light or the yellow light or, or something, some sort of feedback. But I'm trying to support the, the minor league teams as well. Do some fundraising in the process. I mean, win-win, right? I thought. But, hey, got some great baseball going on. You're going to see Anthony Volpe, most likely, with the Somerset Patriots. Anthony Volpe, who could be the next Derek Jeter. Could be. We got um, Pete Hoffman calling in about five minutes or so. Until then, we've got the top ten on the TV in the studio. Wonderful. A softball play comes in third. Wonderful. Let's go to Herbert in the Bronx. You're up on the fan. Oh, how are you? Um, I'm great. How I are was you? Uh, calling. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I said I'm great. How are you? Oh, fine. You know, I was calling. I had, I had seen uh, earlier this season, I had seen that game between uh, the Lakers and the, um, the Warriors. Mm. And, I mean, I, I mean, maybe it was just me, but I just thought that the, the – um, the officiating was some of the worst officiating I have seen. Um, there was a ball that was obviously touched after it hit the backboard mm. um, by LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coach gets up, for the Warriors gets up to complain about it, and you could see that he touched it because he was ahead of the guy. It wasn't like they were coming, they, they were converging. But he came from behind him, the person laid it off the backboard, and the um, he put his hand up, and it, it, it you know it it, it changed direction. Okay. And now what I didn't understand was, is that a reviewable play? What was the call? Was it out of bounds it, or goaltending? No, 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 no. I mean, and not only that, then what they did? No, they didn't say goaltending. They said it was it was no um, interference, no no goaltending. Which on then after they came back. So they, so he grabs, he takes the ball, throws it down the court, and they score two points. Mm-hmm. The coach for the Warriors says, "Hey, what are you doing?" Um, you know, and then they give him a tech. It was a five-point swing. Wow. You know, and I, I don't know if you, I don't know. Well, I guess you were working. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't I'm see any of that game. I'm, I'm taking your yeah. word on all of this. Yeah, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting there saying, and then this, and then the, uh, the. Uh, the broadcaster said, "Well, we'll be back." So it's several minutes of of, um, of uh, commercials. When they come back, they said, "Oh yeah, it was a goaltending." And I'm like, "Well, why can't they review it? Can't they review goaltending?" I don't know the intricacies of NBA rules. I mean, I can look it up real quick, but okay, no. But and then another one was where. Um, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, and the way they're doing. Okay, I mean, wait. You know, so yeah. Herbert, it says goal if goal if a goaltending is called in the last two minutes of a game, it can be ruled. If it's not called, there can be no review. So I guess within the final two minutes only. Okay, and you know, and the, and the problem was it was an obvious goaltending. We're not talking about kind of a goaltending. <laughs> it was an obvious. Everybody in the in the in the thing. I mean, even with LeBron James. Was walking as if like I got oh well what I, I didn't do anything oh and he only I hate hit the that ball. kind yeah yeah and you know and what, what you know I mean um uh you know you're supposed to be I, I've lost respect for him because if you're supposed to be supposedly the greatest of all time I think I still think Michael Jordan is better me too he's um, what's his name gets and, a lot of help from the referees always right it seems. And, and then then there was another call where little Stephen Curry 
is pushed by a, 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 a warrior, uh, not a warrior, I'm sorry, a Laker, a, Laker, yep. uh, a player, right, mm-hmm. into another Laker, and they call a foul on them, and they said, well, hold it, wait. So he said, what, what it? So then they reviewed it, and they realized the guy actually, you could see his arm on Curry's side, his uh, left side, and his right arm pushed him right into the, and I'm thinking, well, didn't you see that? Because when he hit the guy, he looked like he was, he was the leaning tower piece. <laughs> Herbert, okay, was this game know. four hours long? This sounds brutal. No, no, no. I, I just got, I, when I came from downtown, um, and, um, you know, I came, I just came back up, and I was, it was 124-116, but when the refs did that, that's a five-point swing. Uh-huh. So instead of having getting 118, they should have ended up with at least uh I mean, instead of getting 116, they should have at least 118 because it was a goal 10. And then they, not only did they not say a goal 10, but then they then let the, that, that fast break go because I didn't understand. I'm like, okay, it's goal 10. They get the ball, they throw it down, and then they say it's a score. The Warrior coach, Steve Kerr, uh, objects, and he gets a, a tech. So they they got another point. So it was three points to zero when it should have been two points for the Warriors. And I was thinking, these guys, they need to shut them down. I mean, they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> well, and Herbert, then, this is this is where my mom would say, the fix is in. The fix is in. And, uh, listen, I, there's the, you know the players that get a lot of calls in any sport and the players that don't. It does not shock me based on that description because I didn't get to watch any of it. Uh, obviously, I've, I've been working, but I, it doesn't shock me to say to, when I look it up and see that the Lakers won one twenty four one sixteen, based on that chain of events that Herbert just described. So we're gonna have a quick UFC recap. Eleven minutes ago, Colby Covington defeated Jorge Masvidal in the uh, in the main event, and we'll have Pete Hoffman calling in, giving, lending us his expertise on the fight. Coming up next here on the Fan. City. I'm with you in group two. Brian Rascona comes your way then. UFC 272 is now over. And uh, Jorge Masvidal, who I thought was going to win this fight. And, you know, as I talked about in my open, before we get to Pete Hoffman, who was waiting on the line, you know, I talked about with no baseball that we, we threatened that we would find other things to do. Me and you together began to venture into the world of UFC. And what a night to do it. Saturday morning, one of the most compelling storylines that I've seen in a long time, really, in any sport, captivated me, which was the main event with Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington. And these were two guys that were the best of friends to the point that people in and around the gym where they trained joked that they were, like, in a relationship with each other. Just a joke. Now they're enemies, though. Like, literally, I mean, as in all friendship, there's always more to the story, but... Covington never paid their mutual trainer. Masvidal offered to talk it over and pay for dinner at their favorite restaurant. And Covington never showed. He stood him up. And because I'm in a similar situation with one of my greatest friends, Saturday morning I went down a rabbit hole of videos. And the one that I saw led me to pick Masvidal to win because I saw a video from a cameraman standing behind the both of them at their final weigh-in. 
Masvidal taunted Covington about getting cortisone shots in his knee. And that's all I really needed to hear. Masvidal's game plan was to attack a major weakness on Covington. And then I saw Misha Tate's Instagram story where she said, I think Masvidal's worth betting on. So I put $10 on Masvidal to TKO or KO Covington. And I might as well have just thrown it out the window because I lost my 10 bucks. As we welcome in right now on the hotline, Pete Hoffman, our Pete Hoffman, host of the Fight Fan Podcast here on The Fan, available wherever you get your podcasts. Pete, did I sum that up nicely? Uh, you nailed it. And just to start off, I hit my daily pick from Friday. I told Tiki and Tierney, Colby Covington by decision. I nailed it. So I feel good about myself. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> good for you. Did you put any money on it? I did. I hit like a little, I was, I did a parlay actually. So I hit a nice, uh, Plus 148 it turned out to be in. So it was it was good. Nothing nothing crazy, nothing major, but I felt good about it. Good. So four pick parlay, it was all good. Uh, but you definitely nailed it, by the way. Listen, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, it's one of those stories where legitimately they were some unbelievable friends, trained together. I mean, I literally met Colby Covington and had an interview with him and talked about just how close they were to see where they are now. It's, it's crazy. And we were expecting something that was going to be what you were hoping for why, and why you picked Hori Montreal because we thought we were going to expect to see this stand-up striking match, and that's not kind of what we got. So a little disappointing for some people. Well, because I'm doing a show, and obviously I wasn't going to buy it, and, you know, obviously because I'm, I'm doing a show. I can't watch it and do it all at the same time. So – what did you like from that? We'll start with the main event. We'll kind of work backwards. What did you like from it? Was it exciting? Was it even an exciting fight or what? Well, uh, for me, considering I knew it was going to happen, um, it's like, no, it, it was predictable. Mm-hmm. Listen, Jorge Maswell, like you said, his striking is elite in that class, welterweight class. Colby Covington, they know each other so well. Colby, if he does, listen. Jorge Masvidal attacked the knee. So you were right about that. Misha was right about that. And they talked about that during the fight. And he landed a couple kicks that took out Colby. But the problem is that Colby is an elite wrestler. And he was able to suffocate and take him down to the ground and basically put him and wear Masvidal down enough where there was no striking in for 90% of this fight. And that takes away most of Masvidal's game. Mm. So a lot of people walked away very disappointed. I'll tell you right now, I had about four or five people leave my house right after that fight. Not happy. Mm. Really? Yeah. Well, cause you're, there's just so much hype behind it. So yeah. you're excited about the fight. You're excited about everything. And it just didn't work out. Now, listen, there was a couple moments. Masvidal did catch him with a nice, hook. I saw that on Twitter. Clocked yes. him right on the chin yep. and he went down and you thought that, wow, this is something. But Colby got right back out. This is the thing is last time that Colby fought, he fought Kamaru Usman. And after he lost to Usman in a five round battle, went to decision. Dana White said, if it wasn't for Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington would be champion in the welterweight division. Hmm. That's how good he is. You know, I just, I, I don't know. I, I saw like, uh, what was his name? Big, Bisbig, Michael Bisbig. He had Michael Bisbig, yeah. Yeah, he had said something about um, Masvidal, that he had the look. He goes, I've seen that look before. He has like, I'm paraphrasing here, like the look of the killer. He is going to go out and get Covington. I mean, is just Covington just that good? 
Yeah, well, that's the thing is Masvidal always looks that way. He has that look. Like, even there was moments, first of all, in the first round, and this is kind of where it started to, decl- to decline right away, Colby went in for a takedown and in doing so kind of poked Masvidal in the eye. Now, that happens a lot, mm-hmm. and Masvidal made a point of it. And actually, while Colby was trying to take Masvidal down, was talking to the ref like, how did you not see that? Mm. That was clear as day. And um, actually, the ref in the next round told Colby, well, you can't do that again. Like, if, if, if this is a hard warning, I'll take away a point if you do it again. Mm. So Masvidal had that look. He seemed like he was still aware and did what, the, the spotlight wasn't too big. But Colby, that's what he's always done. Up until the Kamaru Usman fights, he only lost one round. In that round, he had to lose the fight. It was a submission that he lost to. But he is on an elite level. His wrestling, his cardio, everything about him, he just he has this engine in him. It's 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 tenacious, it's tedious, it's it's ever going and it really frustrates opponents. And and though Masvidal was able to like react and look like he wanted to do more and he seemed like he wasn't getting hurt, he just couldn't do anything to fight back. You think there's going to be a uh, a rematch? No, no. Really? I mean, unfortunately, and here's the thing too. Like the fight, the big. First of all, the two biggest uh, moments of the fight, besides the fact that you know we did see again, Masvidal was able to clock him that one time. It seemed like there was some some energy there. The two major moments was in the second round. ESPN Plus went out on everybody for about a minute, what? and I was bugging. We were all bugging. It was like <laughs> the end of Sopranos. Like, uh, what just happened? Yeah. So that 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 was frustrating. And then. At the after the fight was over, you know they had to hold Masvidal back. Like literally, there were security guards, there's like people surrounding him what? because he looked like he was so upset of how this fight went. Listen, it's it's Colby's game, but he was so pissed. However, at the end of this fight, Colby Covington called out Dustin Poirier, and it seems like the Masvidal Covington uh, feud is just not going to take place in the cage anymore because it just, you saw how that's going to go. It's, and that's how he lost to Kamaru Usman. Um, Masvidal did. So it's, it's just a similar type of uh, pattern he's going through. He needs to fight somebody else a little bit more on his level. Unfortunately, now Masvidal's a great fighter and he can fight a guy like Conor McGregor. He can fight a guy like Nate, Nate Diaz and make a ton of money and put on a show. But a guy like Colby Covington, who's going to be able to outclass him on the ground, it's just not worth it. Mm. Wow. All right, we're talking about, obviously, you guys know his voice. This is Pete Hoffman. He's a host here. He's a, he's a producer here, host of the Fight Fan Podcast here. Pete, you are a, a three-tool athlete over here. <laughs> um, Let's go. So I didn't see really any of the un- – I didn't see any of it, honestly. But um, any of the undercard fights uh, from UFC 272 t- tonight that, that kind of surprised you? Um, anything that surprised me in particular, I mean, there was a lot of decisions, which is sometimes not a good thing. Um, there was, listen, Greg Hardy, which a lot of our audience would know the name due to the fact that he's a former NFL player, obviously the back history that he had with the law. He somehow has a career in MMA. He's on the UFC card. He's the first fight on the, on the pay-per-view um, and that was probably the biggest highlight of the moment because his opponent, Sergey Spivak, took him out and knocked him out. It was not knocked him out, but TKO'd him, docked, uh, ref stoppage in the first round, and that was probably the biggest 
uh, pop of the night. And people texted me, and even at my house, we were like, <laughs> why does this guy keep on getting pay-per-view? How is he on a pay-per-view? He's not good. He's got power. He's a big guy. Um, you know, he, he can knock people out. But he's not any good in MMA. Why do people get in the pay-per-views? And I said, because when he lost, when he got knocked, when he got the, the, the fight was over, the round of the, the crowd went crazy. My house went crazy. People were <laughs> clapping. People were cheering. Yeah. So that's why he goes on the card because people don't like him. People like to see people like that get knocked out. Oh, my God. Uh, there, was a, yeah. there was a women's fight, too, I think I saw. There was two of them. Okay. Um, and and, and uh, Jan versus uh, uh, Rodriguez. That fight was a toss-up. It was so close. You talk about something. Listen, some of these fights are so neck and neck. The, first of all, the judges are terrible. We talk about complaining <laughs> about refs and Nail judges. Fires. Yeah, it, it, across whether it's NFL, NBA, it doesn't make a difference. MLB, you know, it, Angel Hernandez must have been judging some of these fights because he the the, the card score, the scores were terrible. But they got that. They got this one right. It was very close. Uh, Rodriguez won by, I believe, it was a split decision, twenty nine twenty eight. Very close fight. But you talk about the women, how they bring it each and every card. It was phenomenal. I wasn't on the pay per view. It should have been. That fight should have taken place over the Greg Hardy fight. That's for sure. Because that was spectacular. It was one of the uh, the prelims, but. They need to find a way to to bring the females, the women divisions on every single pay per view because whenever they fight, they bring it. It's it's incredible. Well, the first time when we went to the fight at the Garden, um, the women's fight was great. But the fight that I liked, I forget who it was. It was just like I like the striking. I don't like the the grappling. I'm a fan of the striking. What was that you got fight? Spoiled. Yeah. You got spoiled. What you got it? spoiled. It was, <laughs> and I just watched the fight again today before we watched this pay per view. Yeah, I watched it with my son a couple weeks ago too. You talking about? You're talking about Justin Gaethje yes. versus Michael Chandler, yes. which is by far one of the best fights of all time. And that was your first live event. I'm like, <laughs> what? Are you, what? Uh, you got lucky right there. That was incredible. And Justin Gaethje's going up uh, for the title in a uh, in a few months against Charles Oliveira for the lightweight title. It's going to be a phenomenal fight. You got spoiled, but that's that's the dream. That's it, it's about matchups. That's that's what it comes down to. You know, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, starting pitchers. You know, a, a pitching duel, whether it's J- uh, Jacob Degrom versus Garrett Cole, whatever it is. You're talking about these these matchups. That was a matchup made in heaven. The Justin Gaethje Michael Chandler fight. We didn't get anything like that today, unfortunately, because that's what you're hoping for. That's what you're hoping for. Colby Covington versus. You know, Jorge Mongol, if you want to be, but you got to remember, Styles make fights, and and Masvidal is an elite striker, and Colby Covington has improved his striking, but is smart enough to know that he can't compete with someone like Jorge Masvidal, which is why he takes his opponents to the ground like so much. And right now, wrestling—if you're an elite wrestler, you're the king of the crop. Um. Did you watch any of the wrestling? It, it was right down the street at the Garden today, like Road to WrestleMania, I think it was. Did you watch any of it? No. You know, listen, I I, I like all combat sports. I'm not going to dog it. I understand how huge WWE is, uh-huh. I, how huge AEW is. It's a spectacle. The personalities are, are amazing. Uh, one of my 
you know, old school buddies is actually wrestling in a huge name in AEW. Cool. And, and I appreciate what uh, Eddie Kingston from Yonkers, YO represent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, but he, and he's killing it in AEW. You know, he worked his tail off to get to where he is. And it's unbelievable to see him rise and be a huge personality over there. But the point is, it's like, I, I you know, I respect what they do, but it's still the, the scripted stuff. It, it takes away a little bit. So to watch, you know, to watch a, a, a pro wrestling fight is cool, but to see a sport that's basically not scripted, even though it feels that way at times, at least the personalities that you right. have, like the Jorge Mazzles, the Colby Covingtons, I'm locked in on that. It's, and it's too much. Like I talk about this with Evan Roberts, and I beg him to, like, dude, if you like wrestling, give UFC a chance. Yeah. Just give it a shot. Can't I don't have time. There's only so much time in a, in, in a week, in a day. I have so many other things I've locked in on. I can't find UFC. I can't t- find time for UFC. And that's like me. It's like I, I've, I'm, I'm locked in. I have so much going on. I have no time for pro wrestling. But I'll, I'll watch UFC, Bellator, boxing, whatever it is. I'll find time for that. You know, the Masvidal Covington, I saw some things online that saying it was it was manufactured. Do you think that was a real, real disagreement between them? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no, that that's something and and it's funny cuz I was talking about it uh with some of my friends here, you know, prior. I'm like, "You know what? I think that the the first interview that I did with Colby Covington, we did it a few years ago. Um I think that was the start of the breakup between them because I remember during the interview he kept referencing to, I kept on referencing to Hori Mazda and he listened, we we had a nice conversation going, it felt good. But he, he every time I brought up Jorge Mazel's name, he's like, No, no, his name is George. Call him George. He loves to hear it. his name his real name's George. Call him George. What? And and I never heard that anywhere else. And I'm like, I'm not gonna call him that at all because he's, you know, badass and he might kick my ass. So <laughs> I'm not involved with that at all. Yeah. For sure, whatever. And then, you know, a couple months later things started to come out that they weren't as close as they were, that they split apart. So this is like a real thing. This is not something that's manufactured. They don't like each other. Um, and listen, there's a lot of fighters that don't like each other, don't like their personalities, don't, don't like something about But they were like legitimate friends. And now listen, the Colby Covington personality, the persona, what he's come from, if you, if you understand this at all, Colby Covington was about a fight away from getting cut from the UFC, not because of his record, but because they thought he was a boring fighter. Mm. And then he went to Brazil, he beat Damian Maia, and he basically called all the Brazilians a bunch of really bad words. And from there on, he grew this persona of like this WWE, you know, villain type of thing. And that built his career and has brought him to where he is today. And that's like, we all know that he's an act that way, that that's like fake because behind the scenes, I told him to his face. I was like, dude, you're amazing. You're you're an amazing fighter. But I just don't like what you say. Like, I I, I can't stand it. He's like, all right, I respect it. And that was it. (laughs) He's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But he was cool about it. He wasn't like upset. It was like, all right, no, I, I, that's, that's fair. But it's that part of it, that per, the personality part of it, is an act. But Masvidal and him, that that was as legitimate as they come. Well, all right. You know, I have a personal rooting interest in this, and we are, you know, way too far in advance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm about to ask you? What do you think about Misha's uh, fight in May? <laughs> listen, I think that Misha, no matter who she fights, she's a veteran. 
she always has an opportunity to win. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, she had, she's had – the opponents are only getting tougher. That's the thing. Misha Tate has come through, you know, the, the, the beginning of women's MMA where a lot of fighters were specialists in certain things. That's why she always has difficulty with Ronda Rousey. And Ronda Rousey was one of the best wrestlers in, you know, women's MMA. And it was hard to get past that. But Misha Tate has, has experience, which is one thing that, like, you know, you can't, you can't fake cage experience. And Misha Tate has that. So I never put it past anybody. For her being a veteran, I, I will always lean towards Misha Tate any day of the week. Final question here with Pete Hoffman, and that's good to know, by the way. Uh, final <laughs> question here with Pete Hoffman is something we've been doing, uh, Pete, kind of weaving throughout uh, the show tonight. Um, because baseball should have been on today and wasn't, I'm having people complete the sentence. Today with no baseball, instead I. How would you fill that in? I, I watched. I had a great night watching UFC. It was amazing. I had a blast. I had a bunch of friends over. I watched MMA for about six or seven hours. Uh, my wife made some great pulled pork and I had a great time. It was unbelievable. And I didn't even think twice about it. And that is a bad thing. Yep. I was going to say that's a bad thing for baseball because, you know, people are going to start forming habits outside of watching that game. So it's uh, it's it's a big problem for them. No, no question. Daniel, just real quick, just to yeah. piggyback off of that. I, uh, I spoke to um, my buddy who's on the, on the, on the Cubs and we had a little conversation about it, and he's not as th- he's not thrilled about it either. And it's it seems like a lot of these players are optimistic that things will get done. Um, there, I know he's going out to Arizona next week. I think it is. He's got a place out there, and he said, you know, hopefully he'll he'll be out there the rest of the time, and things will just pick up. But in two weeks, he's like, you know, if nothing happens, I'm probably coming back. So wow. uh, it's just I I'm prepared for this to be drawn out, and it, I would not be shocked. If uh, July is a realistic start date, which sucks. Yeah, I, uh, July. Oh my God, I'm sitting here thinking May first, and you're yeah. saying, oh. really? I, yeah. I want what you're you're drinking. That's great. <laughs> Just got some water here. That's all. <laughs> all right, I'll so take it. Pete, when's your next next uh, shift on the fan? Do you know? Uh, you know what? I seem to be towards the end of the month, so I wouldn't okay. be surprised. I didn't get the schedule yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if sometime uh, the end of the month. Uh, I'm I'm shooting for March 26. That's what I'm looking at. March 26, March March 27. Okay, that's, that's and then, uh, give everybody where they can find your your fight fan podcast. Yeah, uh, wfan.com, Odyssey app. Uh, you'll find the fight fan with Pete Hoffman, and you could always follow me at the Hoff WFAN on Twitter. You got it, Pete. Great stuff. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on after your party and taking time out, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, Danielle. Thank you. And here's a clip from uh, Jorge Masvidal from Pete Hoffman's uh, Fight Fan Podcast, which he recorded. Um, he told me Pete told me that they recorded it either just before or just after the Super Bowl. Here's uh, Jorge Masvidal. We'll take more calls after this, 877-337-6666. We're going to have him send you out to the commercial break, and we'll welcome you back for the final Final segment here on McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan. You go to YouTube since the backyard days to right now. I don't take time off. I just fight. I live in the gym. I breathe the gym. I'm with fighters. I, I beat up fighters. I get beat up by fighters. That, that's what I do. So I- We're all on.
welcome in to Danielle McCartan after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. This is your last chance to get aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Rascona will come your way promptly at 2 a.m., which leaves us about 15 minutes to sort of kind of wrap up everything and get your last calls in at 877-337-6666. Brian McKeon's ready to take your calls at that number. You just heard Pete Hoffman, uh, who is, you know, a great friend. He, he does an excellent job. Um, I didn't see any of the fight because I wasn't going to pay for it while I'm sitting here doing a show, responding to your tweets, answering your calls, all that. So, um, you know, Pete obviously carried the conversation, which was great. Uh, gave some great insight on the fights. Um, apparently, the, the, the Masvidal-Covington uh, beef is real. I'd like to see a rematch, but I, you know what? I guess I guess I didn't see it to begin with. Um, I just like the storyline, really. I just like how it sucks because it's like real people, and they're you know I'm going through it where I had a really good friend that I don't have anymore, and so you know I'm, I'm going through it as well. But it's compelling for TV. It's compelling for UFC Fight Night. That's for sure. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's a couple. Tweets and questions that I pose to, to everybody weaving throughout the show. If you want to get aboard, uh, I, I want to hear your thoughts because, number one, my first question is, like I just asked to Pete, complete the sentence, today with no baseball, instead I. And I've gotten a ton of responses. I'll read a few that I got um, just during, you know, in, within the past two hours that I have not yet looked at. Uh, this one is from Brian Woodward. And he said he totally went out and watched some college baseball. Rutgers was here in Richmond putting up a football score on the Spiders. There you go. College baseball, Rutgers. Um, I've got John Ripper. This is on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. John Ripper says he got hooked on EA Sports. Well, obviously that's a video. That's gaming. That's video gaming. So um, you know what? MLB The Show is 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 lifelike enough, isn't it? Where you might think that those players are actually real players and maybe some road to the show. Starting in the minor leagues, I love road to the show. Oh, you create your own player. You go all the way up. But uh, the show isn't EA Sports, I don't think. Madden, I know, is. Uh, hockey, there's a lot of hockey games. FIFA. The show, I don't think it is. I could be wrong. I don't know. NBA Live, UFC series. Oh, it's UFC video game. That's cool. Um, and then, oh, I wanted to ask Pete this too. Covington entered to Kurt Angle's You Suck theme. <laughs> so Kurt Angle, obviously wrestler, WWE. I wanted to tie that in and I forgot. See, that's why I write things down because I forget. And my other question, so that's one thing. So instead of watching baseball today, today with no baseball, instead I. Oh, and here's some things on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Craig Steven Smith said he watched the Premier League, NHL, and hoops. Sean Gaffney went a different route. He said he saw the Batman, and it was great. I'm a huge Batman fan, but I've heard this uh, this one's not great, this this uh, this iteration of Batman. Although I heard Robin Pattinson, who everybody hated on. You know, why is he the Batman? Why does he cast as the Batman? Apparently he was great. So... You know, I'll have to I'll have to be the own judge of that. 
Uh, Daniel Narvison, he said there was a lot of college baseball being played. Hey, hey, him too. College baseball being played. I, for one, don't need MLB to get my baseball fix. Wow. Uh, Jason Green said he went bowling and watched the NFL Combine. Bowling, that's what I'm doing on Monday. Um, And Michael Daly said he watched The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell. Oh, there you go. So, today with no baseball, instead I. That's the one topic you can call in about, 877-337-6666. Or, the other question I had, kind of weaving in throughout the night, is, what do you miss most about baseball? And I got a tweet from 1978 Corvette. He says, I miss the crack of the bat hitting the ball. I watched some college ball, and the ping is just something that I can't get used to at that level. You know, the ping of the aluminum bats. Oh, see, William Gironi, he said he played NHL 22 all day today instead of baseball, instead of watching baseball. Um, so I, I kind of said what what I miss most about baseball is just, you know, Anybody that's a fan of the show knows that I like I, I like to travel. I, I like to see games in different places, different stadiums. I want to check them all off my list. And um, I miss the travel the most. Like I said before, I was in Kansas City. And I was there for, I think, two nights, which was like a night too long. There, there's not a lot to do in Kansas City, everybody. And I even did, I even went to some jazz music club on the first night. Um and then I was literally sitting in my room on the second day. I was like, well, I'm not just going to sit in my room in Kansas City. I'm going to do something. So I, like, Googled things to do in Kansas City as I'm sitting in the hotel room watching, like, the electric car, train car thing go by. And the World War One Museum came up. And I was like, well, this is, like, the only thing. So I guess I might as well. You know, I'm kind of glad I went because while I was in Kansas City to go see the Royals, which the stadium is awesome, by the way. That is, like, so underrated, that stadium, Kauffman Stadium. But anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm at the World War One Museum, and I'm looking in. I, I guess I found that I like uniforms. I don't really like the, looking at weapons or whatever. And I'm looking in, like, all the the, 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 the the merchandise, if you will. And uh, I'm looking and, and all these things, and all of a sudden I see a felt pennant from Camp Merritt, New Jersey. And for a second... I forgot that I wasn't in New Jersey, that, that I was halfway across the country, and I was like, oh, Camp Merritt. I, I grew up there. You know, I didn't grow up on Camp Merritt, but I grew up, my house where I grew up was on the Camp Merritt grounds. And they were huge. It wasn't like it was like, oh, that's that's your house. No, it's a huge area. Had train tracks and everything. And anyway, so I, I looked at the, the guy next to me. He was a big history nerd. And I looked at him. I was like, hey, that's where I grew up. Camp Merritt, New Jersey. And he was like, he freaked out. He was like, you know what? But that's what made it worth it. And I would have never had that experience had I not been traveling to see the Royals. Uh, the things you learn, the things you see, the food you taste. Kansas City Barbecue. I went to a specific place recommended personally by Drew Butera. I forget the name of it. It's escaping me right now. There's a number in it. I remember that. <sighs> I don't have a great memory, but that place was awesome. And so I, that is the one thing. You know, traveling and not being able to travel and uh, and see the country in the meantime. That's that's what I miss most about baseball, the sport of baseball, the the, the pastime, the national pastime of baseball. That's what I miss most. 
Not anything about arguing they are $18 million apart, the two sides on, on collective of, of the CBT, the, the, the luxury tax, if you will. They're $18 million apart. Who cares? I don't care about that. I don't, I don't miss that. I don't meant to miss this arguing, this back and forth of millionaires and billionaires are just trying to get theirs for the next five years. I mean, literally the Constitution of the United States of America, a document that has been in place for the past 234 years, was written and ratified within 115 days. This collective bargaining agreement, as we have ticked past midnight, between Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association has taken now 95 days, and it hasn't even been written yet. Never mind, forget about being ratified. It has not yet been written. That's a problem. And unfortunately, the players are going for the gusto. They're going for all of it. You know, they got screwed the past two times. I feel for them. But, hey, maybe it's going to take the course of two different CBAs to to get back all of you, quote-unquote, lost. Let's get this game on the road. Let's get these stadiums packed again because all of these disruptions over the past couple years are are, are extremely extremely detrimental to the people that work in and around those stadiums, the small businesses that are in and around those stadiums. I'm talking here in New York and in the spring training locations. And And weeks ago, I brought that up on this show, how how the parking lot attendant may not be able to feed his kids and, and, and all that. And so Craig Carton, Craig Carton has put together, or mostly put together at this point, um, a we are saving, we, WFAN, led by Craig Carton, we are saving opening day. So put it down in your calendars. I'm sure you heard about it all week. And here's my first time talking about it. Well, tonight, anyway. Uh, March 31st. The College of Staten Island. I've never been to Staten Island. And that might be my new thing for the month of, for the month of March. My, my New Year's resolution is to do something new every month. And uh, that might be my new thing. Go to Staten Island. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's it, it's uh, WFAN All-Stars, apparently, and some celebrities mixed in. And Craig even said, Craig said this. I, I heard him with my own ears. He said that if Major League Baseball is still locked out, he's heard from a couple players on Major League teams that they would be interested in playing. Now, that would be sick. Can you imagine, as I sit here in the studio looking at something brand new that was added in here, a framed Pete Alonzo jersey? Well, that would be cool. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So he said tickets are going to go on sale between 5 and $10 each is what Craig said and, and next week. So um, as soon as I get that link, I will send it out on all of my social media uh, platforms so you can buy tickets. I'd love to meet you there. Uh, listen, Craig said I can get one at bat and maybe an inning in the field. He's going to reconsider that. I would be getting at least one at bat and at least one inning in the field. Because he should know. I mean, I was five for five off of Craig Carton this past summer when we had that pickup game uh, near his house. Five for five. And the only, uh, by the way, Evan was talking about how everybody kind of bolted. Craig, Craig was talking about how everybody bolted. It was supposed to be a doubleheader, this and that. Well, I had to work that night. (laughs) I had an actual legitimate excuse. I had to be here talking with you that night after that game uh, and that summer night. So uh, that was my excuse. That's why I had to get home. I was an hour away or over an hour away. And so, um, you know, I had to get home, prepare for the show, and, and get here and, and 
talk to you, which is what I love doing. So uh, that's why I had to leave. But it was true. Everybody, and it was for, it was like 120 degrees that day, too. I'm exaggerating, but it was very hot. That's part of the reason why everybody left as well, I think. Um, but we won't, you won't have that problem. March 31st, hopefully it doesn't snow <laughs> because I've had softball tryouts and softball that we've had inches and inches upon inches of snow on our field that we couldn't. We have to use the, the turf field, the turf football field, late March. So... Uh, the next couple of days are going to be quite warm. The next 10 days or so, no snow in the forecast, going up to 66 on Sunday, which is great. Um, but if you'd like to see the WFAN All-Stars and whoever else come out and play um, and, and support a good cause, the people that work hard. Um, I can never remember his name. The, the guy who, and I reached out to somebody, I think it's Henry. He's in the press box at uh, Yankee Stadium. He's a wonderful man. I, he's out of work. I'd love to support him. All of the guys that were so great to me, the couple times I went to, I was able to go out to City Field and, and with some some media credentials, taking pictures of me, interviewing players, and tell me where to stand. The one guy gave me such encouragement. I was a little shy. I didn't know if I should approach Max Scherzer, and he was like, "Go do it." Get, what are you gonna say? No. I had one of the best interviews I've ever done with Max Scherzer in the dugout there at City Field. So all of those people, I, I am playing to support you. I, and I just can't wait. I, I really, I can't wait. I, I'm going to get to the batting cages very soon. Uh, I was we're supposed to go on Monday, uh, but that might have to wait till later in the week or the week after. But I will get there. I will put my best foot forward. You got my word. So thanks to all of the callers. Could not have done this without you tonight. I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, Hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show. <laughs> I said short. <laughs> select the start of the show, 11 p.m. Great job to Paul Rosenberg, Brian McKeon behind the glass tonight, and to Kevin Dexter on the updates. I'll be back tomorrow, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. for the second installment of the Danielle Doubleheader. Hey, I can get used to this, but if it means no baseball, then maybe not. In the meantime, hit my social medias, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going for